3: This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting 11, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like X has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way Podcast
4: with Dave and X. oi!
3: Hello and welcome to The West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and serial YTK blogger XWHU employee. In the absence of a West Ham game to discuss, this week we've decided to revisit a classic interview with Harry Redknapp, which to this day goes down as one of our favourites. After that, X will be giving us exclusive news and views before we end the show with questions from our collective followers on social media. That's all coming up on tonight's show. We started the interview with Harry by asking him about the time he fined Neil Ruddock two weeks wages and how Neil subsequently contested that fine in court. The outcome was a shock to Harry but was one hell of a shock to Razor.
4: I fined Razor, he was injured last game of the season against Leeds and uh, I said anyone who's not fit uh, will be in for treatment until the, the physios um, you know, declare him fit enough, not fit enough not to come in during the summer. And that meant them coming in, obviously giving up part of their holiday, which they weren't pleased about. But uh, first weekend that Razor was due in, the following, you know, after the season finished, he didn't show up and uh, sort of said that he'd had the flu or something. We were ringing him to get no answer, couldn't get hold of his wife or whatever. It turned out that he'd gone to, there was a, next week there was a story in the paper we have been at Glen Eagle's golf club and, uh, had a fight with Mike Newell and, uh, with Shearer, <laughs> Played Shearer and there he is bashing up Mike Noor, got him over the, uh, <laughs> over the dinner table, beating, beating the hell out of him. And, uh, so I'll fine raise, a fortnight's wages, uh, you know, for not coming up treatment and also for the, being in the paper, you know, it wasn't good, good for the club. um, but, he, you no, know, he appealed to the FA and we ended up before an FA tribunal with Dave Richards, who was the chairman of the football league at that time, was the chairman of the FA. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. He's baller, he mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was a young barrister, who was like a film star, cleverest man I've ever met in my life. And, uh, me, and Paul, me and Paul Peter Barnes from West Ham, he absolutely <laughs> tied us in knots. And uh, <laughs> it was like a complete mismatch. And at the end, the fellow said, oh, well, he won the case. And uh, they said, look, sorry, well, even though they knew Ray's was guilty, they said that we can't, uh, we have to find uh, find him not guilty because everything, all the evidence, every we bought up this guy just absolutely slaughtered us. And so uh, Reyes looked across at me and, and Lucky Harry. Uh, you know, I sat there, looked at the floor. And then the barrister threw his, uh, his cost over, which was about 30 grand and it come out about 10 grand more than Razor's fine was. <laughs> the FA said, sorry, it's not a court of law. We don't pay uh, legal expenses. So Razor ended up with a 30 grand bill instead of 20 grand fine. So I looked at him and said, unlucky Razor. <laughs> but no, I love Razor's.
3: Great lad. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, he did well for West Ham. Razor the, the the couple of years we had him there. I liked him as a player. Um, so talking of playing, you obviously joined West Ham as a 14 year old from Spurs. You know how did the move come? No, up? I was
4: never at Spurs. That's strange. Oh, was don't it? Say, oh, I was at, uh, no, I,
1: no, I never was. No, I left
4: school to play at East London schools. Okay. And then when I was a schoolboy, time comes to leave school, and you know I had the choice of like Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, all the London, all the clubs but West Ham was a was a club that just kept was up, produced players kids all come through the youth policy it was a fantastic football club to join ron greenwood was crazy about producing homegrown um, players great coach so we used to go and watch the youth team play on you know when they played midweek games um, they'd take your mum and dad along we just you know and we just felt west ham was the club it was a great great club to join and uh, so yeah let's go and went there and, yeah, it was an amazing time to be at that club. Um, we were all local kids, all came within, I don't know, five or six miles of the football ground. We all got on great. We had great times together. Uh, played in the youth team. that was amazing. That Won the FA Youth Cup, beating Liverpool in the final, 6-5 over two two legs. Uh, and we went to England Youth Trials. I think there was eight of us in the last 24, all from West Ham. Uh, wow. You know, and... But I, and I played in that team with Johnny Sissons. We went on to win the Junior World Cup. But it was an amazing time to be at West Ham. It was just a great club with great, great players and all, all local boys. Most of our dads worked in the docks. We were just all kids from that from, from that, Barking, Dagnum, East Ham, West Ham, Cannontown, Poplar, wherever we come from, all within miles of each other. And we all got on great, which was fantastic.
2: Well, that, that's a great story. I can imagine that must have been great times. A for club. We need to get your Wikipedia page updated because that's where I got the Spurs information from. So that, that's,
4: yeah, yeah, no, I, as I, say, I never saw him. Never joined West Tottenham. I was, you know, I used to go. Tra- it was the first club actually at eleven that asked me to go training. A man called Dickie Walker, who was a ex captain of West Ham. Dicky, centre half, a great character from Cape and Dagnam. Dickie had finished playing at West Ham after many years um, and didn't. Get you know not, really, not everybody can get a job at the club, and uh, he ended up going to scout for Tottenham, and yeah, uh, he, he took me to Tottenham when I was 11 to train. But I used to all start using to, to West Ham. You were looking around all the clubs at that time, but now once once I went to West Ham, it was you knew it was uh, it was a club, as I say, that produced its own players, it had a conveyor belt of just producing kids, um, and Ron Greenwood was was totally dedicated into producing player, young players. You know, there was never a youth game on a Saturday at Chablis, where you know, if the home, if the team were playing at home, he came to every youth game and watched the kids play. He travelled to every youth cup game, every he'd never miss a game. He came to Wolves when we played in the semi-final of the FA Youth Cup, and didn't travel with the first team. He came to watch the kids play at Wolves that day. That was how he saw the future of the club for the youth.
2: That's that's wow. brilliant, and that's the great, great for young players to see that. Um, when you were at West Ham, you played with Hurst, Peters, Moore, Brookin, Bonds. What was it like to play with all oh, these West Ham legends? Uh, Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, you know, it, uh, it was great. We had three players who played the World Cup-winning team. You know, we had the greatest West Ham player of all time, the greatest player for me, the best, <laughs> best person I ever met in football, and Bobby Moore. I mean, Morrow was. He was from another level. He was another planet. He was such a fantastic man, amazing player, great captain, leader. He was the leader of the club. We all looked up to Bobby. We all idolised Bobby. Um, and to be, you know, to be around it was just it was it was a great time. And and Jeff and Martin as well both came through the youth team, all forever, all came through the youth policy at West Ham. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's where people talk about the West Ham way. That was when you know they go on about it now. West End Way, West End Way. What? Well, the West End Way was because Ron Greenwood was the manager, and that's how he that's how he played his football. He he he, he played a certain way, which was to play and pass and play football, um, and that got carried on for years and years. But you know, unfortunately, they had great players. You mentioned players there. You mentioned Moorehurst Peters. Uh, Billy Bonds, Trevor Brooking, and Frank Lampard—they, you know, they're great players. It was a great era, following on from a great era of of the, the Cup winning team was incredible. That was a great team, you know, mm. with, with Bobby and again with Jeff Martin. You know, the European Cup winning team—that was a fantastic era. But that was under Ron Greenwood, and then people expected the team to play the same later on. Well, unfortunately, you haven't got them players. That that was a one-off. You know, that generation that came through, Ronnie Boyce and all them lads that played Budgie Byrne, they were incredible players, you know. You're not going to have that forever. And uh, that, was a, that was a golden era, really, for West Ham.
3: Yeah, I make you absolutely right. Long time ago now, Harry.
4: Yeah, yeah, long <laughs> too long. <laughs> um, so so what are your,
3: your, your most fondest memories from your playing career before we go on to the managerial side of things?
4: Uh, well, I don't know, just being, you know, being a being a. Being at a great club, you know, with with amazing players, and as I say, it was uh, we all learned the game there. That's how we all learned. That's why so many became coaches because we worked under the best coach I've ever seen. Ron Greenwood was the best coach I've never seen anybody in today any any era that would uh, could be as that was anywhere near as good as him. He was in a class of his own. He was so far in front of his time. It was amazing, and so. That was that was great. Every day you went into work, it was an education. He he taught people. He taught people about near post runs, Jeffers, early crosses. You know that was overlapping fallbacks. People making two against one on defenders. That was something that wasn't in football. People didn't do it. He introduced that type of stuff. Um, so it was it was a, every day was an education going into work working with Rob Greenwood. Mm, can imagine an amazing and, man.
3: Uh, and were there... A- you know, elements that you took from his management that you applied to your own management in the more modern-day game? All,
4: well, all, all, all the stuff he did on the training pitch, really, we all, you know, John Lyle copied what Ron did, mm, carried it well. on and picked it up from Ron, and all them lads who went on to manage and become top managers, John Bond, you know, people, so many of them who went on to manage later on would have 90% of the stuff that had picked up from Ron, it, his training methods, really. You know, the only thing he did not his man management. He was probably too nice. You know, well, obviously that was his probably his, his one weakness. It was too—he was too nice. He was, you know, he's—he he was quite—he was a gentleman, um, and you know, he's dealing with a lot of boys all come from really work very very working class backgrounds, and um, and probably you know let us get let, let us get away with more than what he should have done, and maybe at times wasn't strong enough with everybody. But as far as his football knowledge and his coaching ability, it was just, he was a genius. I mean, I went to Shaw at 15, just left school. And uh, they used to take all the kids there from all different clubs. Every club sent four, five, six, seven, eight youth apprentices. And we went there the first week's training session. Someone played me a ball. And I'm telling someone to come and overlap me. And the, the coach stopped the session. What are you doing? I said, well, I'm telling him to come around me make two against one on the fullback. And he went, no one had ever seen it. I know it sounds silly, no one had ever seen it before. He went, the whole session, I didn't know what I was doing either. But, you know, this is what we've been working on pre-season with Ron Greenwood. Suddenly the whole session stopped. And that night, all the coaches got together, and this coach started telling everybody else what he'd seen and what was happening. And suddenly everybody was into, you know, overlapping fullbacks making two against one midfield wow. playing the ball in the player who played it out wide coming around the back of the fellow he's played it to in that wide position the, the wide man driving in and making two against one picking off a defender and attacking him with the ball no one had even knew what that was that's incredible, stood on the man. off way line midfield players didn't run around the outside of somebody in a wide position yeah, that was from Greenwood. Yeah, it, revolutionary. Right? So it say, speed, revolutionary. sped up
2: the evolution of football. Really, mm-hmm. listening to that. Um, so eventually, your time came to an end, and you had to leave to join. You left to join Bournemouth. Was yeah. was that a sad day for you?
4: Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, I mean, as I say, you know, it was John Bond was a manager at West Ham. John, we, I, I, you know, I grew up. John was a senior player, but I played with John at the end of his career. In, you know, games that when I was sixteen with him and. And then we actually shared a coaching job at school with John. He was out of work and me and Frank Lampard used to coach at Pretoria School in Canningtown. Used to get fifty Bob well, two pounds fifty in the afternoon for three hours. <laughs> and we used to and me and Frank had coached at that school and Frank was it was his old school. His ex schoolmaster, Dave Jones, was a sports master there. And he was also Dave Jones was also John Bond's best friend. He was next door neighbour. So he came to us, Dave, and said, Look John's out of work. He's struggling a bit. Would you, you know, if he comes in, you get ten pound each a week? Would you split your twenty pound that you share, me and Frank, 10-10? Would you make it go three ways? And if John comes in, and we said, yeah, not a problem. So we end up with sets. I and I'm not six pound something each. You know, or seven, six pound, whatever. Three ways of into a tw- twenty years, and we shared our money with John. And suddenly he came in one day. Applied for the job, got a coaching job at Gillingham. Then he lost that. He was applied for the manager's job at Bournemouth and ended up getting the job. So that was when John went to Bournemouth as manager and uh, he came in and took a few players from Bournemouth. And I was one of the players and I decided that Johnny Harris was coming along. John was doing good things and playing well. Dudley Tyler, we played them in the Cup against... We played Hereford and beat Hereford in the Cup. It was an amazing game at Upton Park, you know, a full house on a, Tuesday, a Wednesday afternoon when the electricity strike was on. So we had to kick off at sort of midday. Um, <laughs> and Dudley Tyler and I decided, yeah, okay, fine. You know, we've gone I'd have stayed at West Ham all my life if I want if, if you didn't want it was a club, no one wanted to leave.
3: Mm, yeah. You're not the first or last to say that actually and it's it's fascinating listening to days of yesteryear. I, I could literally do that all night. I think it's really interesting. Um but after 22 years, or certainly over 20 years away from the club, you returned as Billy Bond's assistant. How did that come about?
4: Well, I was major at West, uh, Bournemouth. I'd had, sort of, I'd had a great time at Bournemouth, you know. Uh, things couldn't have gone better for me, really. I, took, I went to Bournemouth and took them into the championship for the first time in 110 years or 108 years of their history. Um, and then uh, West Ham had got relegated with a really low amount of points. I can't remember what the points tally was. And Bill took the job. I don't think Bill was a reluctant football manager. He was a great, amazing player, amazing professional. A- amazing professional in terms of his training. He he wasn't a, anyway He was never mixed, really. As, you know, any, he, he'd come, train, put his gear on, go home. He'd be going out the ground before the next man was off the training pitch. He'd go drive through Blackwood Tunnel back to south London. And that was Bill. He lived a very private life, really. And I think management... I don't think he found it easy. Really, he's suddenly there with players who weren't as good. One, wasn't as good as him. Uh, maybe didn't train as hard as he did. Um, and he liked to get away and get home. He didn't want it, he want but spending twenty four hours a day, dead, you know, stuck at a football club. Mm. And he asked me to come in. I had experience. I did ten years managing. It. I turned down four or five jobs as manager before I came there. Stoke job, you know. I was quite well wanted. I beat Man United in the FA Cup when I was a manager of Bournemouth. But uh, I came back and yeah, I thought I'd, I came back with Bill as assistant. My first season with Bill, we managed to get out of the division. Um, so that was it was great to get back into the Premier with with with, uh, with West Ham. But then yeah, things moved on. Billy left. You know, it was it was a difficult situation. The chairman at the club, I think he felt that I should have been. I was a, you know more of a manager or whatever. That was his opinion. Uh, I think he offered Bill a 10-year job as the director of football. Uh, Billy uh, didn't want to do that um, and decided to pack up. And then things were good with us for a week or so, and then people start mixing it Oh, Someone said something, Harry said this. It happens every time time I've left the club, someone's coming as manager, and then someone says, oh, he's saying this, the club's ain't fit enough. Someone said, that's football. Someone's always, always making up something about someone. At the end of the day, I left there, uh, Billy left there. It was his decision, and, uh, and life moves upon it. Uh, I certainly haven't, uh, you know, the last thing I needed, really. And I honestly wanted to come back and manage Bournemouth at that time. That's where I live. I've never moved away. My life was better managing Bournemouth because I was home. And it was very, very important to me that I spend my time at home. Uh, and the chairman who was buying Bournemouth... Was going to give me the club. He said I could be chairman. I could be owner. I could. Be Mr. Haywood who was buying it, was only going to buy it if I would come back. And so it, it looked a great, uh, a great opportunity for me to come back to Bournemouth. But uh, in the end, I took it over and I took the job on. It was a tough job. We didn't have a great team, and it was a struggle first year to stay in the division. I was there, but uh, we managed to do it. And. Uh, and we moved on from there.
2: And when, and when you became manager, two of, sort of the most important signings you made in your spell, there was bringing back two club legends, Tony Cotty and, and Julian Dix. How important yeah. was it to get those two back at the club?
4: Well, I sold Dixie, to be fair. I mean, Dixie was there and, uh, you know, he was a manager. But I went to, I went to, I met Graham Soonest. So I went to watch Jamie play one Sunday for Liverpool. And I said, we're going to have to sell our best play because we were struggling financially. Mm. And, um... He said, who's your best player? And I said, Julian Dix. I said, we're going to have to sell him. And um, so he said to me, uh, really? He said, is he any good? I said, yeah, he's taken class. So uh, he came and watched him, I think, the, the following week. Uh, Coventry, and he liked him. And uh, and, and in the end, we'd done a deal with David Burrows, um, Mike Marsh, and £200,000, which enabled us to bring three players in. And Dixie went to Liverpool. He was. A, he was a great. He was. A, he was an excellent player, Dixie. But um, you know, for the sake of three players, were certainly more. Uh, more used to us at that time than one.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I understand. And to be honest, as much as we all miss Julian Dix when he went, I thought they were pretty good signings for us at the time. Actually. Yeah, no? I Bowers thought it might was might
4: a good match. deal. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. One, one of those signings was um Lee Chapman and um I know there was a, a few fans that uh, weren't as yeah. keen on him or even though he did a good job. Um I think yeah. you know even you even got one fan to actually play instead of Lee Chapman in one of the games. And what, what what actually happened there?
4: Well, it was uh, just a support who who kept giving Lee stick and I ended up putting him on to play but uh... I mean, Chappie, We never had a centre. We, we were struggling up front at the time. We 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 were short of a front man. Um, you know, who uh, um, would have been there? Trevor Morley was our leading goal scorer. Trevor was a good player. Held the ball up, but wasn't a, And you know, that team had come down. When they'd come down, we have almost record points a couple of years, eighteen months earlier, and then we got back. It was a, It wasn't easy. You know, it was t- we got out the, out the. Um, uh, at the championship at the time into the Premier, but it wasn't. It was, it was, it wasn't easy at that time. We were sort of, it was, we were scraping the barrel a bit, trying to pick players up and do, get players in and try to improve the team. Uh, it was, yeah, it was difficult. It was, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy at that time. There wasn't, uh, you know, it was very different. There was, the Premier League wasn't around, so there was no big money. And I think, in all honesty, Terry Terry Brown, the chairman, was struggling a little bit to. Uh, you know, to keep things going.
3: Harry, Don Hutchinson was another key player that you signed too. Um, yeah. And I can ask you about his success at West Ham, but I'm more interested to ask you about the sandwich incident at Southampton Away. Um, <laughs> what can you tell us about that?
4: Well, what happened about a minute ago, Hutch let the fullback run uh, and just let him go past him. And um, they, should have, they could have equalised... Um, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember the score of that game now. We were either winning or drawing at the time. And uh, I think we were winning. Hutch let the guy run and I came in after and uh, steamed it and give him a... And he kept arguing, arguing, arguing. There was a big plate of sandwiches like, on a, <laughs> a great big... Not uh, not a, a normal plate, like a, a soft plate. What would it be made of, uh, like, uh, whatever. Anyway, I booted him. And uh, they went up in the air and landed, one landed on Lachie's head. <laughs> was, uh, he had the egg on watercress running, hanging all off his head. I love and the fact you remember arguing. the feeling as well. Yeah. He was still arguing. <laughs> and Johnny Moncur, who was the first one, when he came in, he went up, the, I sat them all down. Monks went to get up to get a sandwich <laughs> and I steamed into him. Uh, I said I said what do you think this is a Beano like, you probably don't know what a Beano is a Beano years ago we used to go on beanos with poor people around the East End you'd get you used to get a coach down to South End you got, it was called a Beano yep. right and they used to, we used to they used to throw I didn't know, I, I used to be a kid then, but they used to throw coppers loose chains out and all the kids used to, we used to run and dive on it and so we'd get, like, a couple of pens to buy some sweets with anyway. I said, what well, do you think it's an F&B note? And uh, Mox went, what are you on me for? I'm not even playing.
0: <laughs> so
4: he, he got a bollocking and all Mocker. But, um, but Hutch copped the full month. Yeah, he copped it, but he still kept arguing, Hutch. That was Hutch. <laughs> Brilliant. So I found one thing. The more you shouted at Hatch, or well, the more you had a get him, the, the less it would do what you wanted him to do.
3: Oh, how frustrating!
4: It just down tools, and that was the end of that.
3: Like a dog with a bone.
2: <laughs> so, at the end of that season, we famously stopped Man United winning the league when Ludo had the the game of his life, and obviously Jamie had scored the winner um, to almost stop Blackburn winning the league. What, what do you remember about that day and the whole feeling around it and afterwards? Well,
4: yeah, I remember like um, you know, we obviously we were up for the game. We were desperate to win any game, but. Uh, and Fergie, you know, I got on well with Alex, but he um, he wasn't happy. A couple of years earlier, I think West Ham had, uh, I know for a fact, West Ham had beat Man United late in the season, hadn't they? Yeah, Kenny Brown. And West Brown, Ham couldn't man? win a game, got re- relegated, mm-hmm. and suddenly from somewhere found this performance to beat Man United. And Fergie mm-hmm. had the needle, said they had been a disgrace all year, and they'd come up if I was a manager I'd want to know what they've been doing the rest of the season but so it was you know he Fergie he wasn't best pleased so here we go again um, <laughs> we ended up you know going in front and then they equalised and then I bought another centre he, he, he pushed another he pushed I can't think it was Palace or Brucey up front and I bought another centre and he, I, th- I don't think he was best pleased with that I think he thought I should have just left four at the back and let him that run a for <laughs> and score or whatever you know and we hung in there and Ludo had an incredible game, made save after save after save. And uh, But we, we scrapped for our lives and we got the draw. It was a great day for English football. Yeah, wasn't yeah. it just? You know, there was us trying to, for our lives, putting our bodies on the line, blocking shots. And at the other, And then there was Blackburn going to Liverpool. And Liverpool really... Liverpool, uh, you know, are, are desperate for Blackburn to win the league. Their fans, everybody, because they hate Man United. Both, there's a hatred between us, the biggest hatred. That, you know, they just dislike each other so much, Liverpool and Man United. Mm. Yet Liverpool, a beat, actually, they beat Blackburn to stop Kenny. They fought... Probably to stop Kenny winning the league as well, which wasn't what the Liverpool fans and wanted. It was
2: Jamie that scored the goal as well. And, he wasn't
4: scored, it? and yeah. as it turned out, we ended up doing our and we, we drew with Man United, so it was it was a really honest day for English football, if you like. You know, that's right. And mm, you pr-
2: probably saved Jamie
3: a bit
4: of stick from that as well, by, uh, <laughs> yeah. By... <laughs> they won it in they won it in the end, so everybody all worked. Yeah. So he, I yeah. think Alex was all happy after the game. So. <laughs>
3: yeah, I bet. I, I, apparently, I heard that the Blackburn players were singing bubbles in the dressing room after that game
4: as well. well yes probably yeah yeah they would they should have been i mean we did them a the right favour that day yeah because absolutely. i mean what a feeling if they'd have blown it that day and then oh, yeah you know if man united had beaten us and, and alex really just think if it had beaten us they'd have won the league i mean yeah but it's amazing how it can go down to the last game of the season like that and it, we've seen it before you know when arsenal won it at liverpool that day and yeah. i mean they're great ends to the season aren't they yeah i mean it's you know, man it, it, city winning it in the last second of Having been two goals behind with about a minute, two minutes to play against QBR the other year, you know. Yeah, mm.
3: such iconic moments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next year we we struggled, and um, it forced your hand to sign two more key players uh, that were instrumental that season. That was Hartson and Kitson. Uh, talk us yeah. talk us through that.
4: Why are those two, and just how good were they? You know, I mean, we was we, we couldn't score a goal. Mm. I
3: think
4: you know we we couldn't score. We. had uh, And football, people don't realise that, you know, certain people score goals and the same people score every year. You can look at your team at the start of the year and you can go, okay, we're going to get, he'll get us 12, he'll get 10, he'll get one from midfield, he might get none because he never scores. And you can more or less get your total. When you looked at our team, we had no goal scorers. We had people up front. We had Ian Dow where he would hold the ball up or whatever. I forget who was up front, but I know we had no goal scorers really. And I said to the I'll be honest, I went to see the chairman, Terry Brown. I said, look, Terry, I can't keep you up. I said, like, you bring Alex Ferguson in here, Bring who you want. They're not going to keep you up because at the end of the day, we can't score a goal. If we go 1-0 down, we might as well go home because we're never going to score. It's mm. game over. Mm. Uh, and he, he accepted that, you know. And, um, and yeah, he allowed me to bring, I took a gamble, really. I took a big gamble, John Hartson. I remember Danny Kelly coming on the radio when I signed John Hartson um, on six oh six, whatever it was called, and said, "What they've signed a they've signed a donkey, West Ham. He's useless. Did he Made donkey noises to him? Yeah, Danny slaughtered him. Oh. and uh, you know, and John and John came in and Kitson, and I mean, what a pair. It they, they was yeah,
3: unplayable, superb,
4: unplayable. We battered everybody that run in. We went behind to Tottenham, came back and beat them. We went, bit, we battered Chelsea. I mean, he battered Sol Campbell, John Artson. I mean, John was unplayable. Igor Stimak at, at Derby. You know, John got sent off at Derby in his first game. Yeah, I was there. That was a bad start. That's mm. the night I think he came on the radio, Danny Baker. But, and then John, John battered him at, you know... Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible run. Whoever we played, we'd go behind, but you knew we were going to score. Mm. No one could handle them two.
3: Mm. And, and you really had to push for that with Terry, did you? The money to, yeah. to get oh, those yeah, two? Yeah, no, he was
4: good as gold. I mean, he pulled, but he pulled up, but he, he knew it was relegation or trying to find two strikers. I mean, mm. I, was, it, it, I was looking around everywhere. I'll be truthful. I mean, Dean Holdsworth was, you know, he was one that I kept looking at and thinking, could he come and score goals? It was hard. It was hard to find someone, you know.
1: Mm. And in
4: the end, we pushed the boat and we went, we, we bought the two of them in as a pair and they just had it off. You mm. know, Kitson could score. Kitson was a good finisher and Big John was just unplayable.
3: Mm, yeah, great like,
4: bit of business, that.
3: Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, the
2: next season, Hearts and then went on to score 24 goals, which is our highest ever total in the, in the Premier League from, from one player. And that was quite an eventful season. Had two cup quarterfinal defeats to Arsenal. And then there was this game against Crystal Palace. Uh, Frank Lampard had just scored uh, two all, and the lights go out. Um, yeah. What, what was it your memory? lights going
4: out, wasn't it?
2: That yeah. <laughs> what do you remember of that? What were you told about the whole incident? And what yeah, was it no, like it was, in the dressing
4: it room? Was, uh, it, was, it was strange not you know, it was a strange game, wasn't it? With the lights going, and then obviously, uh, you know, but that had happened a few times, didn't it, in that period. I went to ask, to watch, um, would it have been Wimbledon or would it have been Palace? Wimbledon were playing at, I don't know, playing Arsenal, because we were playing one of them a few weeks later, and uh, the lights went out that night, uh, you know, and the game got abandoned. So... It seemed like we had a little spell of that happening uh, in the Premier League for some reason at that time.
2: Yeah, some dodgy... It not that being
3: some Eastern European... I mean,
2: Eastern. Uh, Sorry, he said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah betting, <laughs> <laughs> Random.
3: <laughs> um, talking of Frank, uh, Harry, um, mm. obviously he's your nephew. Uh, yeah. W- what did you make of the, the stick that he got at West Ham during his
4: time with us? Well, it was sad, really, because when you look at him, if he was born West Ham. Mm. Yeah. He was more West Ham than anybody... He's, you know, I've got pictures at home of him when he's a little boy. He's always he's got West Ham kit on. Always got West Ham kit on. He lived for West Ham. His dad played for twenty years yeah. for West Ham, and he grew he grew up just being West Ham crazy. Mm. That was his life was West Ham. Yeah, that is sad. And, and you know, when you look at him, people can say what they want. I mean, there's a kid. He was the best trainer. I only ever met one person in my whole life who trained as hard as him or as good as him, and that was his dad. And that's obviously where he got it from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He trained like a lunatic. Because when I signed him, there was people at the club, and I'll be honest, who said to me, Harry, he can't. he's never going to make it. He can't run. He can't get around the pitch. How's he going to play? He's never going to be a player. Uh, but he, every day after training he look out of the, out of my office at four o'clock getting dark winter raining he'd be out there We'd doing his sprints every day bag of balls shooting left foot right foot left foot right foot every single day he just trained and trained and trained he'd go home at night and he'd go and run around the streets run three or four or five mile go for a four mile five mile run after training all day he just was so dedicated he wanted to be a player and he had his old man's attitude that nothing was going to stop him and that was how he was it was the same Frank Senior um, I, I can remember as if it was like this very second I was in the dressing room Ron Greenwood walked in the dressing room said to Frank Senior uh, Frank can I word he said I'll fix you up to go to Torquay on loan John Bond was at Torquay at the time with Kenny Brown two West Ham legends they were running the club I think Frank O'Farrell might have been the manager at the time or whatever West Ham legend Frank O'Farrell they were, we had a big connection with Torquay and Ronald fixed up they wanted to take Frank on loan Frank said well, I don't want to play with Torquay he said I want to play for West Ham Why, what's wrong with me and he said well he said, well, tell me what's wrong with me you never tell me what's wrong with me he said how can I get and he said well, you, you're not quick enough Frank you know you, you, you pace and you've got to... Frank went no I'll show you and Frank Senior every day after training he put his spikes on you do his sprints, ten yards, sharp, bang, 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 every day, every day, never missed. Other people used to look at him, go, look at him, you know. He didn't give a monkeys. He wanted to be a player, and the kid was exactly the same. Mm. Listen, we can all say whatever you want. People say, oh well. I didn't. I wasn't his manager at, at, at Chelsea when he went on to score twenty goals every year for midfield yeah, no,
1: exactly.
4: and play hundred and god knows how many times for England. I mean, second in that's, world player that's what there. he did. Mm. It was mm. other kids. There. He had an attitude about him. He was so determined, and so he was just nothing was going to stop him. He wanted to be a footballer. That's all he lived for, and he wanted to be a West Ham footballer. In all, that was his. That was all he was into He was West Ham Barme. You mm. know, it's a shame. I thought it was hurtful that he should get he should get less stick really than anybody because of the, the way you know the way he'd grown up with the club and he loved the club that was his club that was his team because it, his dad was a legend at yeah. the club yeah. so he, he just lived for West Ham it was, so it was it was sad to see and even when he went back there after you know they didn't give Rio stick Joe didn't get stick but Frank got stick you know. He, And maybe Frank might have said that, you know, we all make, we all say things at times and people can, it all gets, oh, he said he's going to a bigger club, some rubbish. He might have said that because Pete was slagging him off mm. at the time. I mean, Hugh he in the, in West Ham was really, he was claret and blue
3: through and through. Yeah. Make no mistake about that. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and I'm not just saying it because we're speaking to you now. I mean, you know, our podcasts are archived and anyone can access it. We've always said the same. We've always said that we, we genuinely felt that the treatment of Lampard was harsh and um, and we, we never really understood it no. i mean we're not talking no, about when Lordy he left wife. it was when he played for west ham i mean you know it, and i think you summed it up right i think the, the word you use is right it's sad because when you he, he, the way you've described him i don't think a lot of people even knew that uh, growing yeah. up as a boy in west ham kits and west ham oh, barmy nonstop. Um, so every
4: picture i got in my house of yeah. frank my wife you know we looked the other day she had some old pictures there's frank in the garden playing He's always got he's nothing but West Ham kit. He was just live West Ham was all pictures everywhere, all over the room. That's all he had. That was all his life was. Yeah. And his dad was a, His dad, obviously. His dad played for 20 years at fullback. His dad was someone who the manager said, well, Frank, I want you to talk to hey. The best manager, the cleverest manager of football man I ever met, Ron Green." But he, he, he was making a big mistake. He wasn't going to loan him. He said, if you do well on loan, Frank, they might sign you. He was going to let him go. But... There was this boy who said, no, no, I ain't going to talk you I want to play with West Ham. Mm. What's wrong with it? I'll show you. And that's what he done. We all went, anybody else would have gone, oh, OK. We'd all been choked, but you'd have got me me. He went, no, I'm not, I'm not going to talk me and, and that was how he was. And the kid was exactly the same. So surely he deserves all the credit in the world. Mm. shouldn't knock people like that. There's mm. other kids come in. They're superstar schoolboy internationals. They walk in, think they've made it big-time Charlie, would all they want to do is get a big watch and buy a flash car. He, he, he didn't. He just wanted to play it with I stand. Mm. And he worked at it and trained like a lunatic. He, he dragged Rio. Rio saw him training, and Rio's attitude got... Rio was great anyway. He was always going to be a Rolls Royce, but Rio trained harder because he saw Frank doing it. Carrick, Joe, they all looked at Frank and thought, he set an example to all them boys. And they all grew up, all six of them, to be fantastic professionals and amazing boys. Every one of them. All great kids, great lads and great men now. Mm -hmm. There's not one of them I look at and think, oh, I loved all of them. And they were just amazing. And Frank was the the leader, really, in in the way he trained, and the way he showed them how to behave and get on with them and work every day to become a top player. And he didn't. He wasn't as good as Joe. Joe was on another planet or anybody else. Rio was on another. Rio was at fifteen. My God, what we got here? We have got a Rolls Royce here. Mm. Uh, and Frank became a Rolls Royce, you mm-hmm. know, from being a, probably being a, a. I don't want to disrespect anyone who's got a, a Ford
1: Mondeo, but <laughs> well,
3: that's
1: it. We're not doing this yeah. you anymore. <laughs> um,
3: what does Frank think of West End now?
4: Yeah, he's going. No, he come back and played in. He played in Tony Carr's testimonial. I think didn't He, he and... did, yeah, he did. Yeah, no, Frank was. It's hurtful. It's... It hurts him, I'm sure, really, because he's got nothing bad about West Ham. It's... He would never. He's got nothing that he would dislike about West Ham, or he grew up. As I say, grew up loving West Ham, and so. No, he, he wouldn't go out of that. He, he, he wouldn't be that way. He's a very clever guy, and you've only got you know that you only got yeah. to listen to him speak. That's right. He is. He's, he's a little bit switched on, and he? he's a bright yeah. kid. Yeah, definitely. He's a nice kid, a nice fella. He's a manager who I think will now go on to manage Chelsea one day, probably. Mm. I wish I could say he'd manage West Ham, who maybe he will. Yeah, maybe he will. He's clever enough. I think he's clever enough to manage anybody. Mm. He's mm. clever. He is he, dedicated. He's he knows the game. He's, it's in his blood. He could manage anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be it'd be great if he'd come back and manage, You know, people can we oh, don't want him back away, West Ham. Well, that's a load of rubbish. Would you rather have some someone who come in who you don't know and wherever they've come. I mean, what part of the world? Or, or a kid who, who knows the club inside out really and. Mm. I don't
2: know. It'd be mm. interesting where yeah, he goes
4: I'd, in the future. I'd definitely take him as manager of West Ham. 100. Yeah,
2: if he proves himself at Derby. Yeah, which I'm why, sure not? He will. why not? Why yeah. not? I mean,
4: it would be would be fantastic. Mm, mm. And you know what's happened in the past. That was a long, long time ago. Now we're talking about 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: Move on now. Well, uh, whatever happens to him. Good luck to him. That's what I say. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Out of interest, did Jamie ever get
2: close to playing for West Ham?
4: Um. Yeah, really. Well, he, he what well, happened? He came down and um, there was somebody working at the club. at the two came down, and played in the game, and they liked him. But oh uh, like well, he wasn't a to play with the schoolboys and all that. But uh, I don't know, really. He wanted to play league football, so it was difficult. You know, he he he, he didn't want to go and mess it. Up. He knew he could get him, but I was managing Bournemouth, and he yeah. knew he could get him, not because I was there, but he knew he would get in the team. He used to yeah. come training with me. And um, so, you know, I think he he, he wanted to play. You know, yeah. he could have gone anywhere. All the clubs, had, you know, Tottenham them anywhere. But he, he wanted to play league football. That's why he sort of chose to come to, to Bournemouth first, to get in the team at 16 and play.
2: Mm, fair you know, enough. So
4: mm. He was going to Liverpool at 17. He wasn't saying he was keen on at that time. He just, because he'd say, I'm not going to play. I want to play league football. I don't want Sit, to be sitting around not playing but Kenny was the manager, and Kenny said, no, you're going to play. Oh, I said, Kenny, he's not going to play in your team, he wants to play league. He said, he is. First, he was on the bench first um, first week he was there, and then Kenny left two weeks later. Kenny, you know, I don't know what, you know, when Kenny suddenly overnight sort of decided to turn it in. Mm. So it was difficult, but uh, no, it's, but, you know, they all grew up with that, we, we something down here, you know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Um, so the next season, we signed two huge characters from sort of the Premier League era. One was Ian Wright, the other was Paolo Di Canio. What exactly yeah. was Paolo Di Canio like to manage and just how good was he as a player?
4: Paolo was amazing, amazing. I love. oh my God, what a footballer. I used to go to Sheffield Wednesday when he played there and it, he used to be scared every time he got the ball. You know, he'd scare you. He could do things that were just I used to say when the ball went out of play, we're throwing or just somebody get onto Canio. Don't let him even throw the ball to him in their half because <laughs> he'll make he'll do something incredible. Yeah. And so they had the chance to sign him after he pushed a referee, yeah. it was just amazing. It was amazing <laughs> to to get him. Uh, it looked like we we're going to lose him, and then some, you know. And in the end, we, to get him over the line, I remember Terry Brown when I told him I was going to sign De Canio. <laughs> he put his head in his hands <laughs> and he went, he put, honestly, he went, Harry, anyone but him. Did he? And it be fair to him that he, that he, he backed me and he brought him in. It was, you know, he could have said, no, sorry. He went, yeah, if you you know, and he, and when I signed him, I remember picking up the Sunday newspaper. It was headlines, red knap, walking tight rope with no safety net under him signing the canyon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like, you know, he was a mate he was a genius. He trained like no one you've ever seen. Another one. Mm. On Sunday he'd come in, train, he'd have his own fitness coach. He never had an ounce his body was incredible. I've never seen a man in shape like it. He didn't drink, ate the right foods. Unbelievable, really, been brought up under capello and people like that with that that regime in Italy where they grew and you know, didn't not the English culture of footballers at that time. You know, drinking, like I grew up a game, getting on the booze. He didn't, and that wasn't, he didn't, that wasn't the way he was. He just, he didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't a drinker. He was just an amazing footballer.
2: Well, I've had mm. a season ticket 30 years, and he's my all-time favourite player. So, I personally thank you for signing him and taking that gamble, because the, the memories he brought, the joy and the
3: entertainment, you know, brilliant for those years he was there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I second that. And uh, in a recent interview, actually with West Ham Fan TV, he described you as his saviour, which I think says it all at that point in his career. So that was a nice thing to say as well.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, I loved him, and uh, I love that. I, I, I love good players. I love being around people who can really play. And Paolo was a genius. He was a genius. He mm. could. I see people now on TV, and the ball comes to somebody ten yards, twelve yards out, and they've got a chance. To, and the defender's coming, sliding across to block it. They've got to keep it a beat. And the defender comes in with a last ditch and they kick the ball and the defender blocks it. I think Parlo, he'd have made out the shoot. The defender would have come flying in, slid past him. Parlo would have pulled it onto the other foot. He'd have made out to put it in that col- side. The goalie would have hmm. dived and he'd have rolled it in the <laughs> other corner.
3: <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. And
4: that was what he would do. they would yeah. be diving everywhere. That's a knack, only it was like Greaves he had it. Jimmy had that knack. Jimmy Greaves.
1: Yeah.
4: Jimmy had the knack. He he would everything stopped. It was like the world it everything slowed. It it people would come sliding in to block him and he sorry, that's it's a bit noisy. That's and what? he would he would just he would just suddenly, you know, stop everything and let everybody it was he was just amazing, you know.
3: Yeah. Right. yeah. So no, he was. He was. he was. He was. He was like poetry to watch. Um, he he uh, really. He was like poetry to watch, Paolo. He oh, was he absolutely watched, yeah. second yeah. to none. Um, yeah, I'm talking about memories and, and players that give you those memories. Yeah. The season we finished fifth, Harry, um, yeah. and won the Toto Cup that summer. I mean, what yeah. was so good about that side?
4: Listen, lads. You, you know, it was. You, I'm not. I'm getting. I don't, I'm getting old or what? But you know, it's hard to always remember everybody who played in every team with you. Well, uh, you know, managed fourteen hundred games or fifteen hundred games or whatever. It's uh, you know, if you said to me that, you know, I'm, I'm looking back on it and it's hard at, at times to actually remember, you know, what the actual Trevor Sinclair and people like that. Who, what, yeah. uh, you know, it was, it was C- even people saying? like Samassi Abu. Yeah, came in and what an handful! I mean, what an handful he was.
2: Yeah, game against Barnsley.
4: I mean, Samassi could he was hard as nails. I mean, my God. you know he uh, run for a brick yeah I mean you know he picked him up I saw him play in the uh, I saw him play in the French youth team against Jamie's uh, get the in under in the Toulon tournament and that's the first time I ever saw him. And then years later, when he came, someone said, "Oh, you now he's two hundred grand or two hundred fifty thousand pound, whatever he was." And I thought, "Believe well, me, he was a good player, you know." And, and we took the little chance with him. And he, he was he was ample. He he did a good job when he played, you know.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. he was really good. I mean, that, I've got a, f- a memory of him in that Tottenham game when, uh, when he was, I think he got sent off, didn't he? And then uh, Colin Calderwood went over <laughs> to you and uh, yeah, that was quite an eventful match. Yeah,
3: I remember that. Yeah. Tottenham, yeah. yeah. Is it, Harry, yeah. is it is it true that, obviously, when he scored or where, whenever he'd done anything on the ball positive positive, and, and the fans used to sing a boo, did he think that he was getting booed when he first joined well,
4: the club? Well, you know what happened one night? It's a true story. I was at home in bed at three o'clock in the morning sound asleep and the phone went it scares you when you've got kids and family i thought my god what's happened there uh, wolfram abbey police station or something hello yes officer. yes officer what's wrong uh we've arrested one of your uh, players samassia boo thank god for that i <laughs> think it happened to one of your family you know? <laughs> and uh, so i said really yeah? that? what had happened <laughs> he didn't speak a word of English. He'd gone in, uh, he's in the uh, Epping Country Club or wherever it was, he'd gone, oh, gone up there and someone sort of said something to him, oh, West Ham, for good as gold again, what's happened to him? And he thought he was having a go at him or he's gone brutal to him or something <laughs> and like right, so he'd end up nutting him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Poor gee, he had I mean he could have nutted old through a brick wall.
3: <laughs> I never knew that exactly I'm glad yeah. I didn't meet Samassi
2: Abuna because like that probably would have been me
4: <laughs> that is so funny he was solid as a rock on my life he was, he was a nice boy though. A, very, a poor boy a very very poor boy really you know probably a very poor background and but nice, nice lad, you know.
3: Yeah, no, yeah. very good player. I yeah, he was well-liked that? over West Ham.
2: Um, so we've, we've talked about people coming for the academy, Rio Lampard, Carrick Calderfoe, Joe Cole, loads of them. And then there was a player called Manny oemi who, of course, that's a bit of uh, oh, an issue.
4: Where well, that one, that
1: was
4: a nightmare. I mean, you know, what happened, we had an injury before the game. Someone got injured in the warm-up or whatever. And I said to Frank, <laughs> Who's that? Get one. They have to put one of the kids on the bench, you know, just to make the number up. Yeah. I went, go and get one of them out there, Frank. So he's coming with Manuel Manini. It could have been any of them. Obviously, <laughs> he was, I thought he's got no. They're not going to play because I've got, I've got subs anyway, uh, who are more senior. So if the kids, whoever comes in, it's not going to play. And then we would we, say we're, we're we're in front with two minutes to go or whatever. And I suddenly I looked and I thought. He could run, man. He'd pick it up and run into the corner with it. You know, he was a strong little lad. And I thought, I'll stick him on. He'll get, he'll let him just chase the ball, run it into the corner, get us a throw-in or a corner. He was one of them. I, mean, I ne- never had in my mind he played for Chillingham. I never knew he played for Chillingham. I mean, on, I mean, I know he went on loan, but I didn't know he played in the cup or anything. You know.
1: Yeah. And
4: I'll, I'll be honest, I was just going to visit my. My son had had, it was our first grandchild, and I was just outside the hospital in Paul, and I was just going in to see Molly, who'd just been born, and just as I am pull up in my car, I get a phone call from Peter Taylor, saying to me, Harry, uh, Manny Omanini. I said, oh, yeah, do you want him, Pete? He went, no, he played in the... I thought he wanted to take him. I'd let him go, to be honest with you. And he said, no, he played for us in the cup. I went... Your kid? No. You went, yeah. <laughs> you went to the cup? Do oh. you know what? I couldn't go and see my granddaughter. Oh, really? In the car, really? I, I sat in the car. I ain't telling you a lie. I sat in the car for an hour and a half. I just went numb. Oh, it just made me ill. And next, you know, next day it was the Friday. The following day we were playing Man United at home in the league. And... Uh, <laughs> But uh, obviously, you know what happened. We had to have a re-plan. Got done in in yeah. the re. I know. I remember that night. Oh.
2: Why, why didn't oh. Manny say? I guess he didn't know the rules, possibly. But he's what? Sorry, I, I said what? Why didn't not say? Oh, sorry, boss. I've already played in know. the cup. Yes, I know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you why know, didn't they say I played in the cup already? Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> for Gillingham. I mean, You know, oh, and if I don't dear. bring him on, it doesn't. I don't even know. To this day, I can't figure out even why I bought I just thought he'd waste time. <laughs> like, so I thought, time he got on the pitch, the referee's going to blow the whistle anyway. It's only like a minute ago. I thought he'd come on. The ref, time he runs over to the right wing, the ref will blow the whistle. We all walk off. Game over. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, he didn't catch the ball
4: no. well he
3: certainly did waste time I think mean, he wasted everyone's time yeah, actually that,
4: that's right. <laughs> oh, oh, dear, what happened to Manny after that yeah, oh, that, d- yeah
3: I know I know But um, it can only happen at West Ham as we say um, yeah. the, the next season Jumping back to Paolo, we saw him catch the ball at Everton. Great sportsmanship mm. or ridiculous oh, decision? No.
4: Oh, no. <laughs> I knew Pierce you'd say the that. one the first one the dress, said, I want to kill him. <laughs> I'm don't let me get near him. <laughs> then look, really? I'll go on television and say how fantastic it <laughs> <is>. <laughs> you know, I don't even want it to come back on the coach with us. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, what a great moment! Well, not going to say what a great moment was, but what an iconic moment that was. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, I, it, I
4: wanted the points, you know.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of um, course, I agree with you. By the way, so and after that season, we then took the massive decision to actually sell Rio Ferdinand for eighteen million. I mean, how did that move come about? And I guess, looking back, was that the right thing to do, or would you? No, no.
4: I, I, no, I thought it was the, the beginning of the end for the team, in a way. Um, yeah really um, Rio was incredible and um, you know he, I'll be honest me and Frank Lampard Senior called him in the office and said don't go don't go mm-hmm. why are you going to Leeds you don't want to go to Leeds stay here give us another couple of years Rio we're building a team stay here in two years three, Man United are going to come in for you don't go to Leeds um, but I think he was being pushed by people who represented him or whatever mm-hmm. um, and and I think the club, I think Terry, honestly, Terry, Terry, I'm, I'm not, you know, Terry Brown's view was with the Bosman ruling coming in, which it was. He said that would be, he felt that would be the last big big signing ever.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: He, I think he, he read it as though all players were going to be, let their contracts run out and go on freeze. So they'd mm-hmm. sign for you. That was what he said, you know. And then they play for you. And then after two years, sign short contracts, two years, they'll be free again. And then they'll move again. That's why, how he saw it coming. I think he, he, he never saw another big transfer ever coming again. Mm. And that's why, I mean, when the offer came, he took it. And
2: then Rio
4: went and joined Man United for £30 million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the most amazing story is, you know, three years earlier, or a couple of years earlier, Mel Machin, the manager of Bournemouth, rung me and um, said, Harry, I've just had Martin Edwards on the phone, chairman of Man United, wants to buy Rio Ferdinand. So on like, a Monday morning... He'd obviously gone, I think they played at Stockport or somewhere on the Saturday, Bournemouth, and Martin Edwards probably went to watch the game because Man United were playing on the Sunday or something. He'd gone with maybe his pals to cheat one of the titles at Stockport, or he lived near there. And he'd rung Mel Major. and said, would they? Would you sell Rio Ferdinand? And Mel said, he don't belong to us, he belongs to West Ham, he's on loan. He'd obviously thought you would seen really? a man at Bournemouth who was a... Yeah. and... Uh, they rang me, Martin Edwards. I said, "He's not for sale, Mister Edwards." I said, "He ain't got." He said, "We must have I said, "He ain't got a price." I said, "He's going to be the best centre half in Europe." I said, "He'll be the best centre half in Europe." I said, "He's not for sale." He wasn't wrong. He must have a million. Would you take a million pound? I said, "Not a chance." Mister Edwards, you're wasting your time. I said, "He's not. There's no money in the world can buy him. He's going to be the best around." I said, "Whoever you know." I said, "You're not a bad judge." I said, "You know, I respect your judgment, but coming on trying to buy him, you're right. He is fantastic." but you you can't have him. Mm, Did Rio know know that?
3: Did Rio know that contact was made?
4: No, not at the time, no. No, 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 I never said nothing to Rio about it at the time. You know, you you didn't mean... I mean, it it was a team there... With all them kids coming through, the last thing you needed was to lose Rio, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And uh, I, we, I think we was all disappointed when Rio left and um, certainly oh, not surprised man, when we man saw man the course. career that he went on to have. He was, for sure. he was,
4: he was a Rolls-Royce, was
3: Yeah, he was. Nice fellow so as well, When My dad came Rio? back,
4: we saw him play in the youth team at Chelsea when he was still a schoolboy. Uh, he hadn't even joined us. And he, he was a late developer. He wasn't a kid who was a schoolboy star. And I rung, my dad rung me. I, I was coming back away game that night. Um, West Ham somewhere, like, I mean, we might be at Newcastle or somewhere and my dad rang me, he said I've just seen, my dad went to every football match in the world, if there was anywhere he'd be there, he said I've just come back in Chelsea, Stamford Bridge, he said I've seen the best player I've seen in years, in your youth team, I said really? I said, and I named a few of the boys and he went no, no, Pick called Ferdinand so he played in midfield They so kept picking the ball up, running 50, 60 yards with it I said, really? He said, yeah, unbelievable. Ten minutes later, Tony Carr rings. Harry, we won. They, they turned a, a something like, I forget the, the exact scores, but we were like three goals, two or three goals down. Had, we aggregate in the first leg at home. They battered us up and parked. We went there and beat them by a 5-1 or 4-1 or 6-1 or whatever it was. And we won the cup. And Tony put Rio in that night. He was a schoolboy. He wasn't even put on the staff. And none of us wow. had seen anything of him. He was a kid who had just been bought in about six weeks earlier from a guy over in South London called Dave Goodwin, who said, they have got a kid just come out, found, I've seen his kid playing. He said, there's no clubs, there's no, and it turned out, there's only two clubs in for him. Millwall, Wall had come in, because they had seen him play somewhere at that time as well, and West Ham. And Frank Lampard, senior, he went over there and he did a great job in selling the club to his parents and... And to Rio, he said, look, no, there's no comparison between West Ham and Wall, which there wasn't. He said, there's no comparison. West Ham's, a, you know, I, I don't, they weren't real, you know, he wasn't that much into his, he was obviously a talent, but I don't know if he was sort of that much into it. He just hadn't been playing that long, apparently. And, uh, yeah, my dad said, I, I've never seen it. He said, he was incredible. He's unbelievable. And Tony said the same thing. He said, I said, my dad rang me. He said, Rio Ferdinand played he, Tony went, he was unbel- unbelievable. So that was, uh, that was the start of Rio, really. We knew we had something special.
3: Mm, what a career we went on to have as well, obviously. Uh, and a good lad as well, by all accounts.
4: Oh, yeah. yeah. Great lad. Great lad. Carrick. They're all great. All that little group. Defoe. You know, Jermaine had his problems when he left in the, yeah. you know. Did he come back with... Um, did he come back to you at West Ham?
2: No, not in the end. We were linked with him a number of times. But, um, yeah, no, yeah.
4: Feeling, no, just thinking, I know he had a lot of clubs in the end. Yeah, no, he was linked. No, West... I mean, again, it was sad how he left. Mm. He was badly advised. Yeah. It wasn't him. He ain't gone, I want to try. He ain't, it's not in him. He ain't got that in him. Yeah. That's, mm. that's an agent. Oh, they got relegated. You've got to move. You want to, We want to move. you got to get... Tr- and the, these, half after these kids, ain't they, they ain't got a clue. No. But they, no. Get, they get pushed into things so the agent's gone into Sea West Dam, we won the transfer he, he don't want to play in the championship the day after they got relegated I mean it wouldn't have done it, it was a big mistake it, mm. that was scandalous to what happened you know mm. Yeah. Mm. but he's a good good kid he ain't again you know he's he, 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 listen you know what in life you can do a million good things and you make and no one notices you make mm. one mistake and everybody's Very
3: true that's
4: life isn't it it is very true He's a good person. You know, I've been lucky in managing quite a few times and he's a good lad and he always talked about his time at West Ham and yeah, making yeah. his day and scoring a goal. And I mean, the youth team, every Saturday morning, get a trick, mm. you know, two goals, three goals. He was a goal-scoring machine. Mm.
3: He was, he was. Um, yeah, without a doubt. And I think he's even openly since said that he regrets the way things panned out at West Ham and yeah. sort of feels like oh, he's got
4: unfinished sure. business. But as I say, honestly, he's a, he was a little boy, really, even though mm. he's still... You know, he's still quite, People, he's got people that do dominate him a little bit. And, you know, he wouldn't have even thought about what he was He wouldn't have known what he was doing, really, and what what consequences it could have. He wouldn't have even, it would have been way above him. It was the agent who ever took him in there that day to say, we want to move, we don't want to play in the championship. He's, you know, great, he's, he's right. He's not a championship player, he's a Premier League player but Mm. it it wasn't the date to do it, was it? No,
2: no. Mm. And Mm. all the stuff he's done for Bradley Lowry and all the charity work afterwards as well, he's clearly got a really big heart there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad he's got
4: that. And listen, they all loved their time at West End. You talked to all them boys, Mm. carrot. you talked to all them about when they were coming through as kids. It was a great club to be at. It was a great day. They, they loved it, you know?
1: Yeah, great They times. were all good
4: young players all coming through together. It was fantastic. Mm. You know, going to the Youth Cup final and then two years later or whatever, the next youth team winning the Youth Cup, 9-0 beating Coventry over two legs. Yeah, it was incredible times, you know?
3: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, is it right, Harry, that a contributing factor to your leaving, or maybe the sole reason, I'm not entirely sure... When you departed from West Ham, what contributed to that was some comments on the back of a fanzine.
4: Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, what's the, what is the story there? Well, I don't know, really. You know what, I'm, like, I'm talking to you now. I talk to people like, I'm talk, you know, I'm pretty open, I say yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was interviewed, and I think I just talked of Someone said, oh, I think the chair, he may have been right, looking back on it. He said, oh, you've spent £8 million <laughs> or £10 million of Rio's for the Rio fee. Already, you know, and uh, I might have said so. And like, oh he can't add up or oh, something. I put a few <laughs> f's and blinds in there probably, and it got wrote word for word, word for word. And I think Terry was upset. It. And uh, it was a shame because he treated me, and you know, I was probably disrespectful at times. I was, not probably. I was, I mm. was. People would say things to me, and I'd say, "What do you know? You ain't got effing clue." You know, and and that was me. That was me that's how I was and mm. it wasn't right I'm not sitting here saying it's right to talk to people like that but if people you know I would be like with directors I'd be like that in the boardroom. room it, I was you know I was uh, probably hard work for people at times and um, in the end they, they, you know you can only go keep doing it so long and people go well hang on it's not the way to behave really and I accept that
3: mm. yeah. uh, I'm, I'm dying to ask you this question Aaron I hope you don't mm. mind me asking it how do you view your own relationship with West Ham fans now?
4: I don't have one really, do I? I don't go there anymore. I don't know. I'm I d I don't I don't know. I do not i do not know i do not go down there. Um you know, I go and watch Bournemouth. I don't go anywhere, I don't go to Tottenham.
1: Um,
4: I don't go anywhere really. I you know, I go and watch Bournemouth and that's as far as I go now, really. Mm. I don't know. I mean it's I don't know. you know, I I had seven or whatever years I'd as You never got relegated never mm. got relegated
2: no, I mean um, I, I can say as a fan you know I've had a certain season to get 30 years my favourite time as a West Ham supporter was in that late 90s you know with Decanio, the youngsters coming through you know, finishing 5th yeah. in the league that is still my favourite mm. time I and you know I was about 18 at the time so it's a good age you know you go going to all the away games and stuff and I had a great time as a West Ham fan then and, and you yeah. were the manager so for me I remember it as my most enjoyable yeah, time watching
4: I don't West know, Ham as I say, I never, we never got relegated in my time there uh, Uh, I think we played great football, you know. Um, So, yeah, I I love my... Listen, I grew up there, as I said to you the other day, I went there at 15, 14. I mean, all my life, you know, spending every day with... We used to come in and play football in the summer. Me, Frank, Bobby, Brian Deere, Johnny Charles, all of us, all the team, Greasy, when he came. We'd go and play over... He used to come and play with put the coach down and play for two hours right? and then if not we'd come, we, then we got the, the groundsmen in the training ground at Chablis, you used to come and play over there on a Tuesday or Wednesday, Tuesday and Thursday night. Mm. I mean how you imagine now all the yeah. players took, and then we used to go up the retreat pub on Black Lion <laughs>
3: yeah I know times that was have had, changed had,
4: that was, that was, we'd all have a night out we'd come and play football for an hour and, <laughs> and a half two hours before that yeah yeah no then some people mate the people come I don't know you know yeah what can you do? You can't. People, people can be—you know how they are. Some people like you. So not the ones get like you. Some people like you. Some don't. In like. life, yeah, you
2: it's true. You know, it's that, very true. We experience that, that ourselves, all, all yourself, yeah, 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 we, we do. We get it with what we do. So you know, we're the huge West Ham fans, and we get it too. So, so summing up at your time at West Ham, get a difficult question now. You've got to give us your best signing and your worst signing, your least successful oh, signing.
4: I, I got. Um, <laughs> I would say Parlow was probably massive signing. began yeah. That you know, it was a big gamble signing him you know, after we'd done, and he was he was he was fantastic. And John Hartson would have been another great signing at that time. It, it, you know, he kept us up really, John, when we probably would have, we would have gone down. So um, I don't know. You, can, you know, I've got quite a few lads. If you've got ten minutes to spend. I mean, but you know what, in life, Alex Ferguson made some bad signings, but it, no one ever noticed them because they'd get hidden away. They'd win the league. So no one bothered that he'd spent two yeah. eight million quid on a useless striker That's or right. ten million quid on a useless goalkeeper. Yeah. They never, they don't get noticed. When no, you're right. West Ham, you spend seven hundred grand on Marco Boogers. Mm. Everybody knows it, you know. Because, oh, <laughs> what a waste the money, you know. Yeah. You spend seven hundred grand. It's a different world, is not it? Yeah. Did Did you ever hear? I mean, how
3: much communication did you have with Marco Boogers after he left? None. N- literally no. nothing.
4: No, I think he's got a caravan down him. <laughs> <Wales. laughs> like, I've still heard of him. <laughs> he in, in a caravan. I wonder what he's up to now. You
2: know, he'd be, be quite an interesting guest to get on the show. Actually, he but... played about
4: another ten. You end up playing with about another. 10. 10 years, in he's back, you know, scoring yeah, he did did right. every week.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Obviously a good
4: player, just not for us. <laughs> he, wasn't a bad, you know, he wasn't a bad player. Yeah. He was very decent. He just disappeared. He didn't like, I don't know what happened to him or what his reasons were, but he got sent off at Old Trafford and that was the end of him. Yeah. Uh,
3: almost like a Dutch Joey Beecham.
4: <laughs> yeah, you <know>, uh, well. <laughs> That's another that story. First time, first day Joey come in, he went to me, I wasn't a manager, we bought him, you know, he came in, but he went, I should have gone... I should have gone to, uh Oxford, Swindon. 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 I went, no, well, on the M4. I went, no, no. I no, you've come the right way, John No, I thought he meant he took the wrong turn on the M4. He goes to London, Swindon. And he went, no, I should have gone to Swindon. I said, what do you mean Swindon? No, London. And he went, no, I should have... Swindon. I went, you kidding me? You should have gone to Swindon? This is West Ham. A million miles, another planet. What's Swindon? What you, what you and that was the start the end with him. He was... You know, he was determined not to play and go home and sit sick. And just
3: couldn't handle it. Oh, the mind boggles. I mean, you must have been tearing your hair out with that one. That's just mm. incredible. Was difficult was um, Harry, how would you like to be remembered by West Ham fans? I
4: don't know. I don't, you know, I don't spend my life sort of worrying about, whatever, you know, I don't know. I love I loved my time there, playing there. I love, you know, I love my... All my I spoke to Eddie Presland, rang me the other day. who played there, and I was there, and we had a chat and talked about you know, being at when we was all there and the great times we had when we were all players. You know, we had an incredible time. We were an unbelievable group of lads. I think together we all, all all London boys, all from around the area. You know, and it was a great time. So I don't know. You know, I think I, I, I you know as a manager, I think we had good good teams. We played good football. Didn't get relegated. You know, it was a bit up and down, you know, over the period but seven years. We never, never, never went down. So I don't know. People, people, people make their own mind up. It's up to them.
3: Mm. Well, Harry, you're an absolute gentleman, and, yeah, and nice I really—it's been—it's
4: yeah, it's been, been a pleasure. Brilliant. It's been a real Good. pleasure,
3: mate. And uh, and listen, we wish you all the very best of luck for the future. Thanks for giving Thanks us your time, boys.
4: mate. I'm to you time I can help, ring me.
3: right mate what have you
2: got for us this week well the main thing to talk about is obviously the ongoing saga of is it king is it Ben Rama? yeah um that is the the key question at the moment because they are the two players that we have bid for and um are probably going to sign for Well, one of them will sign for us um <laughs> i tweeted yesterday that ben rama deal seemed to have made progress it made progress in the sense that they'd pretty much agreed on pretty much all of the fee in the sense that are going to be 25 million i think plus 5 million add-ons depending on various um stipulations being met i think those step stipulations i don't know exactly what they are but i think they're quite heavily in west ham's favor as in the sense they're things that aren't Likely to happen, like you know, it could be West Ham qualify for Europe, or West Ham win the <laughs> FA Cup, or West Ham, yeah, don't have a disastrous PR moment. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. it's like something that's, um, you know, not likely to ha- to happen, type thing. So, um, I think, uh, that's the situation with him. So the reason it got held up a little bit the last few days was because. He was owed a loyalty payment um, from Brentford because they um, had promised him a certain amount of money. And obviously because he was potentially moving, they were disputing whether he was allowed that loyalty payment. But I think it's all been sorted now. I think it was only for about half a million pounds, which obviously to you and I is huge. But uh, um, someone like him isn't huge. Mm. Um, I don't think, um, but it was, yeah, it, it's all been sorted now. The only thing that's happening is that King is still knocking around and there's still a little bit of indecisiveness between who they want to sign who represents the better deal Ben Rahama is on about 13,000 pounds at Brentford at the moment we're prepared to triple his wage so quick maths takes you up roughly to about 45,000 I think something like that I um, so he's going to get a good deal out of us potentially for what he um, was earning anyway um but those figures aren't entirely accurate but they're roughly I think King's on a bit more um and the fee for him is less as well. Now, I was told that King was more of a Moyes um, target and Ben Rama was more of, of a David Sullivan target, which, which gives us the situation that we're always left in. Mm. that we're Who's the ultimate say? Worth noting again that Ben Rama is a Will House mm. player. They say that he's not the direct agent now. But he's still involved in the in the transfer. Um, as of yesterday, Ben Rama was the one that was most likely. Now, I believe that is still the case. But I think the club um, are still sort of making up their mind. He hasn't had a medical today. It was reported he would fly in from... Um, uh holland where he was playing a friendly for algeria um he would fly in and have his medical today that hasn't happened talks will continue tomorrow um in the hope of concluding that deal but there is a chance a small chance i would say that that deal doesn't happen a small chance but on the whole it is likely to be ben rama that joins um, before the five o'clock deadline on Friday. Do you the... know
3: what that small chance could be? Well,
2: he hasn't agreed. Well, he hasn't passed the medical firstly. Right. Which is obviously a, an issue. I think there's a few slight things to sort out both with the fee and both with the, um, put the clauses personal, the wages. Um, so there's a few things there. Now, I keep saying this, and I tweeted it the other day, you can never, ever, 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 ever say done deal on a transfer until it is a done deal, if that makes sense now. Yeah. The usual faces have started claiming done deal for Ben Rama, but it isn't it isn't at this point, and anything can happen because all it could take is a club last minute, putting a bid, he fails a medical, they discover something that could be a long term injury potentially brewing um the agent suddenly makes a last minute demand you know because that sort of things not been sorted the wages of the agent the wages of the player um completely there's little bits it's almost done but still little things to get over they um f- f- um young football fans shall we call them or Football Twitter cunts is what I like to call them, <laughs> um, they, uh, they, <laughs> affectionately known. Eh? Yeah, exactly. They, um, they don't understand that it's not like FIFA or Football Manager, where you put in your offer, it gets accepted or it doesn't. If it's accepted, you put in your offer for your player, you negotiate a little bit, and then it's accepted, and then nothing falls Mm. through it Mm. just doesn't work like that unfortunately for us as gamers football computer games are not humans they're not realistic in that sense so it can't have that element of human change but these people don't understand that that is what can happen Mm. so it literally is it's not done until it's done you know literally has to be the pen has been put in the hand and signed on the paper which is why when i do my Say famous tweets, but my notorious tweets of the 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 eyes, the pen on the paper, mm-hmm. uh, thumbs up, and the crossed irons is when I know that that paper has been signed. He could be on his way to the stadium to sign that contract, but until he's actually put that pen on that contract, anything can happen. Now, if you was to ask me whether I think he'll be a West Ham player, Ben Rama. I would say yes, I think he will at this point, but it is Wednesday, the England game has just started, anything can happen by Friday, but at this point on a Wednesday So
3: it's safe to say that we don't have the money or the intentions to sign both of those I don't players. Think so so no. are you saying then that any potential talks with King's party is on ice until we get Ben Ramar over the line. He is the priority signing. And if he falls through then maybe we'll look at King again. Is that fair to say? Yeah,
2: I think Moyes has become more accustomed to the idea of having Ben Rama now. I think he sees him as a potential rival to like Fornaus or um, even Mas- Masuraki. I saw someone tweet, I can't say that name properly, <laughs> and it's like Brentford. It plays on my mind every time I go to say it. <laughs> so I like... try and analyse it. How do you say Masuraki?
3: Uh, pretty much the same as you I think I I would say Masuaku because
2: if you sing the song Arthur (laughs) Masuaku or is it Masuaku I think there's
3: a bit of an overemphasis on an R in the middle of his name there from you I would just say Masuaku but I might have it wrong let's Let's call him King Arthur yeah
2: King Arthur okay so potentially for now King Arthur could have their place under threat I hope not for Spurs because in my opinion you go with the, the same side don't change anything but you know in terms of where Moyes sees him that's likely personally out of the two of them I'm really torn between which player I would rather King I see more as a Moyes player I like the fact that he can play up front as well I like the fact he's proven that he can score in the Premier League um, which Ben Rama hasn't done but Ben Rama in my opinion is younger has well not in my opinion he is younger he in my opinion he's potentially could be one of those Pi A type players that are really exciting to watch. Um, So I'm really torn between the two. I think I err towards... Ben Rama, now when I think about it, but I, I can see an argument for King. Um, all will be clear tomorrow. By the time this podcast goes out, it'll probably be clearer. And then as the day goes on on Thursday, it will certainly be more clearer.
3: And do if, you know what we're looking at for King potentially if Ben Rama was to fall through in terms of a transfer? Fee? I
2: think King is 18 million, so it's cheaper than the Ben Rama deal, although I think his wages are slightly higher. But I think um, King's is. Less because I think you know he's older, I think his contract might be up sooner as well. Um, but he, uh, he at the moment is the second choice. It, it, it I i would be surprised. <coughs> Sorry, if it's not Ben Rama, I'm surprised. But as I say, we shall find out tomorrow. Unfortunately, as you know, I am working nine till. Well, I actually might be out of work a bit early tomorrow, actually. I might be able to get out of work a bit early. So I've got actually got a meeting after. after, I need to see what my job was there. I've got a meeting after (laughs) work tomorrow. Um, But um, Friday, I'm going to be in 9 till 5. It's going to be very hard for me to do the usual transfer deadline stuff. But obviously, as soon as I hear anything, I will try and tweet it. Um, and I will try and tell you exactly what's happening. Um, I mean, other news, as you know, all know, now we signed Craig Dawson um, mentioned back by me way in June um, that we were after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, um, he's a Will Sorthouse player. <laughs> fucking like, shock. I know. It's like I'm on repeat here, but yeah. he is. Um,
3: How much money is that fella running out of West Ham?
2: Mate, he's an absolute millionaire from transfer deals in mm-hmm. West Ham. He um, was originally going to be signed for, as a permanent signing for two to three million uh, on a possible two-year deal, but he's actually on a three-year deal at Watford, and we wouldn't have we wouldn't meet the three-year deal um, at West Ham. And I also think there was an element of concern from the social media reaction because we do know that the yeah. uh, plays into it. So I think a loan deal works for everyone because he gets to come to West Ham, try and prove himself. He's coming as fourth choice. You know that when you put it like that that doesn't bother me that much because I think his experience yes people say he was relegated twice with West Brom and then Watford but when he was at West Brom I remember lots of clubs being interested in him and lots of clubs thinking he would be a good signing and now because he's been relegated with Watford his stocks massively reduced and Watford fans don't seem to be overly complimentary but I think for a fourth choice defender on loan It's not a bad sign. I mean, it doesn't excite me. And don't get me wrong when we've been linked with all these 30 million centre-backs over the um, summer and we end up with a lone player from Watford. It's not... Really, that who picked him out,
3: mate, in the uh, credit roulette that seems to be between Moyes Um, and Sullivan? Good
2: question. I would say it is a combination of the two. The obvious link is Salt House, that's going to be Sullivan's choice. But I do think Moyes actually liked him. He's you know, he's experienced, he's quite old school in his centre back play. Um, I think he was probably happy moise he was probably brought to the table by sullivan and said look i can get you him but Moyes was keen anyway um so he's signed now see how he gets on uh i don't think there'll be any other signings in the window at this point i have asked for clarity um from a, a senior source shall we say um and they haven't got back to me um which is disappointing on their behalf, but I won't go there. As you know, off air, yeah. of the conversations I've been having with that source recently, disappointing to find out that he wouldn't let me know, but never mind. Um, Ryan Manning from QPR was someone have been linked with for a while, sort of a left-back, left-wing-back type thing. Um, he um, is not rated by Moyes. Same with Rico Henry, he doesn't rate him either.
3: Um, so at, why were they targets in the first place then?
2: Because they become targets because of
3: they get recommended
2: and then they go and watch them. And Who? Then, <laughs> we haven't got any fucking scouts. No, Moyes, Moyes watches them and, um, right. and he's decided... On a one-game basis, probably. Probably, probably. Not to, he's not interested in him. They also like Adam Armstrong at Blackburn, um, who's a former Newcastle player, but they don't is another will be good in a year's time type player <laughs> so we're not going to go for him um it is only 12 weeks until the next transfer that's crazy, deadline isn't it? so crazy. Um, the transfer window opening sorry so yeah so really only 12 more weeks to gloat about Declan
3: Rice still being here
2: quite possibly yeah and the thing is that's why you they might not sign any other player this window because it is only 12 weeks to the next one and if you think I don't know how many international breaks there are in there and I don't know how many games of West Ham it actually accounts for but at the moment the team's playing well you know that you've got a full 11 with likes of Hilaire Yarmolenko um, Diop in the last few games that haven't played mm. so it's not like we're Desperate for players, so I think the club are aware of that. Um, in terms of the Spurs game or well, injuries, Mazuarku came back. Sorry, King Arthur came back from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Internationals you done well there, um, mate. Yeah, thank That you. was a mouthful. Yeah, it it exceeded all expectations no, no, with that exactly. one. Exactly. I've been practicing, um, <laughs> and uh, he. Um, he got a knock in training, but because he's so committed to doing well for West Ham at the moment, he withdrew himself from the international squad and came back so that he would be fit for the wow. Tottenham game. Wow, we love, yeah. love that. Absolutely um, love that. Apparently, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but fuck it. As West Ham won't work with me anymore, you can stick your fucking telling me what to say up your fucking ass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they um, apparently are under 21's academy. Person has tested positive for um, Covid. Who that is at this point, I don't know, but uh, that is the rumour doing the rounds. I don't think it will affect West Ham first 11, mm. um, to be honest with you. Um, but apparently that is that's what's happening uh, as i say keep tuned to the west ham way twitter account it won't be me tweeting but it will be um bk hammer who basically runs that account the majority of the time so i entrusted it with my nephew a few weeks ago and um learnt, uh, horrendously from my mistakes uh bless him I do love you, really, but uh, it was a bit of a job too, too, too soon, I think. Um, and if I do get any news, I'll either let him know, tweet it myself, or find a way. But as I say, I don't think um, there's going to be a huge amount. It's either going to be Ben Ben Rami, yes or no. If not King, yes or no. I don't think there's going to be much else. There is a chance. There is a chance that last minute you might be offered a player. And they might think, okay, we'll, we'll have a go at that. We'll see what what happens. But obviously, the only players we can sign now are domestic, yeah, um, championship players or below or out of contract players. Mm. So mm. I I don't think so. And obviously, an out of contract player you can sign at any point. Mm. So there's no rush to sign them. So I would be surprised, but I will let you know if I hear anything.
3: Good stuff. Thank you, mate. X. Is there many- Welcome back to the final part of the show, where, as always, you've been good enough to send us your questions, and I've selected a handful to read out, starting with at Ian Deakin 16, what is the relationship like between Moyes and the bald, in bracket Sullivan, with rumours of disagreements over transfer targets, and Sullivan appearing to throw him under a bus in his interview with TalkSport recently?
2: Well, Moyes and David Gold get on very, very well. It was David Gold that wanted Moyes to be the manager when he was the manager, and we replaced him with Pellegrini um so that is for certain that those two have a really strong relationship Mm. um David Sullivan I think the relationship is probably not as strong but I don't think it's bad I think probably compared to other recent managers it's probably stronger than some but I think that is probably a case of No disrespect to David Moyes, but the beggars can't be choosers, really. like He's Mm. been lucky enough, some would say, for Sullivan to give him the job twice when no one else wanted him. Mm. So I think his stock at the moment needs to be that he is respectful of David Sullivan and probably had he um, had other options, he might not have been so, but certainly gets on with Golden. I think he's got a decent relationship with David Sullivan. I I mean, I'm
3: not too sure whoever has or would have a good relationship with David Sullivan. If you look at his career and you even go back to Birmingham, how many managers have worked under him that would give him a glowing reference? I don't think you'll find any. And you've only got to look at some of the managers that have spoken about him. Sam Allardyce being the case in point. You know, he was emailing him every day, phoning him every day, signing players, just turning up at the training ground and they didn't even know who the player was, and suddenly he's training with the rest of the boys. You know, it's... I don't know. I I can't imagine that he's, A, an easy man to work for because he's such a control freak, which, given its nature, is designed to undermine people that want an element of control. And he's just not the most likable man on the planet, is he? We've seen that. And uh, for that reason alone, I think an obvious assumption would be that the relationship isn't great, especially if... You talk about the likes of Tamori, for example. You know, that's really and truly, that's wasted David Moy's time. It's wasted Tamori's time, but it's wasted David Moy's time because ultimately he's sitting down to talk to a player... About joining West Ham who he doesn't want to sign Mm -hmm. but he's doing it because David Sullivan's insisted on it Mm -hmm. so I I, I would struggle to imagine anything other than a strained relationship between Sullivan and any of his managers to be honest
2: yeah I think you're right in the sense that um when he's so reliant as well getting players from like the agents he likes so that must be really frustrating if you're the manager and you think well I want a new winger or whatever or a you centre back and then you're like right will's players are and you think well, yeah come on like, i want to sort of branch out about a bit here that must be frustrating and i do think um yeah the interference must be really hard when you're an experienced football manager you must think to yourself why is it that i've got and i say this respectfully, someone that's made his money through porn, um, advising me on how to sign who I should sign in the football world. It's not like David Sullivan has ever played football at any level. Um, so I think that must be undermining at times. But as I say, I don't think the relationship's terrible between them. I think it's probably as good as any manager with their chairman. But certainly, he's got a very good relationship with David Gold, definitely.
1: Mm.
3: This is from at Edward Pearman. Hi, guys, love the podcast. My question is if you two were in a, it says Rip Man, I think he means Rib Man eating contest, and you've got to pick an ex West Ham player as your teammate, who would it be? And more importantly, who would win? Wish you and your family well, ex. Oh,
2: oh, thank you. Um, that's a tough one, you know. Is, is it? Oh, I think you've got bigger mass than well, me. Well, the, the
3: thing is, mate, I mean, obviously, when you look at our history, I literally beat you at everything we ever do ever. <laughs> so that's that's a given. Um, but, you know, I, I'm looking at this. I mean, I, I can be a bit of an animal when we eat. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you know. Yeah. You know, I'm a big boy anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I think if I was to recruit, recruit someone like Razor Ruddock uh, yeah. in my corner, shout. I don't think many people are going to beat the pair of us in an no, eat-off, mate. You can eat
2: quite impressively. Yeah. You know, I'm
3: sure when we've gone
2: t- to like... Burger Kings and to kebab shops when we've been hung over. You know <laughs> I've ordered like a kebab and a, and some chips and thought, geez, I'm a fat boy and you've gone kebabs, <laughs> chips, uh, rice, <laughs> um, <laughs> second kebab, yeah. rice again yeah. chips. Oh, uh, I don't fucking overdo it. <laughs> um and um, and then uh if you've got razor ruddock, which is a is a great shout in yeah. fairness. I'm going to go Benny McCarthy. Oh, there you go. I okay. I've seen you and I've okay. raised you. Yeah, you have. You have raised me. <laughs> the, main, the man famous for, uh, was it, um, didn't Karen Brady say she was? he was the fattest player she'd ever <laughs> seen? And then he turned around and said, well, you're the devil with tits. So, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, Brilliant. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go Benny McCarthy. I told you about that time on my um on my mini moon when I managed to persuade yeah. the wife to let me go to Anfield yeah. when um, we should have been celebrating our, our marriage uh, yeah. and uh, Benny McCarthy came on as a sub and I honestly had never seen anything like it. It yeah. was literally like they'd pulled out someone from the pub and just said, listen, mate, West Ham need a forward on you go, son. It was embarrassing. Um, So yeah, I think I feel comfortable with Benny. There's some other contenders. Do you remember Titty Kamara? Speaking of tits. Yep. Um, yep. Titty Kamara, he was a big lad, wasn't he? Um, yep. You know, someone like... As much as an amazing keeper he was, Phil Parks strikes me as someone that could eat quite well. I tell you
3: you he was a dark horse in this for you to, to, to meet my razor. David Unsworth. Yeah. He's a fucking lump these yeah, days, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. You're Retirement like... hasn't been kind to of him either, is it? No. You're lookalike, isn't he? Yeah, Ham? well, apparently, yeah. Well, apparently. actually, no, it's Ian Pierce stroke. Well, the David love Unsworth. child of yeah. uh, David Unsworth and Ian Pierce. And John apparently. O'Shea. And John O'Shea. Yeah, yeah, I've had that a few <laughs> times. <all>. i like <laughs> Classic
2: British <laughs> centre backs, <isn't laughs> or <laughs> Irish. British and Irish <laughs> centre backs. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I am going to go with Benny, though. Benny's my coach. Okay. I still think
3: me and Razor are the bookies' favourite.
2: Julian, when he was towards the end of his time at West Ham probably more stocky than yeah, anything but- that's a little bit harsh okay, yeah, I mean you, I've yeah. gone
3: with Razor clearly because he's about 57 stone these days although I think he has shaved oh, a little bit of with, off, you're going he?
2: with what they are now well, yeah, I, well I, I, I have no idea how fat Benny
1: McCarthy yeah. is I'm, like, you know, I'm, going, I'm going for when they
2: played for West Ham. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you but, who's massive, fat hard now. To call. that you'd never suspect. Who? Um, Berkovich. Yes, yeah, Berkovich. Yes. Fucking I know. huge now. I know, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, in. that's true. Yeah.
3: Now, I think I would, Yeah, I think it's hard to pick a player in their prime because no one was Benny that McCarthy. overweight. Benny McCarthy was. Yeah. But then I think you, you see someone's true appetite when they've hang the boots up and they don't have to train every day. Yeah. And, You know, Razor's right up there. Talking of fucking Razor, oh, yeah, I'm Julie, surprised he didn't not- i surprised he didn't bang me out that time we was at the football oh, awards. Do you remember that? that was fucking so you set-up. dumb me up like a kipper there, didn't
2: you? <laughs> that was so set up. So on the on the nature of lookalikes, likes, we were going through who we look like and then we were talking about how Dave looks like John O'Shea. We're at this like football awards. I would ceremony. say who you
3: look like, but I, I can't really. But I think I'd sort of Giving you a little bit of bait by saying who I thought you looked like, and then you clearly tr- decided Did you to say I
2: look like. What can I say? I guess so because it's not actually me. So.
3: Um, oh spinner. Oh yeah, you yeah. Just and and I Arsenal. get that
2: one a lot. Yeah, get that yeah. a lot. Uh, to be fair, I'll take that. He's got a full head of hair. <laughs> you know, he's uh, probably <laughs> thinner than me. Yeah, uh, well, I'm sure he is thinner. Than You're me. like a
3: spinner, maybe in sort of 15 years time. <laughs>
2: Great. <laughs> see i'd say i look more like daddy devito <laughs> stroke, <laughs> stroke, stroke razor stroke razor rudder maybe but uh, like no so um uh, so yeah so he's he'd given me that that low blow of um well not low blow but that looking of david spinner i threw out john o'shea but he'd heard that before yeah. so then comedy value i thought so behind dave's shoulders i can see that razor Ruddock is literally standing yeah. right behind him i didn't know this and, and dave didn't know that because obviously he had his back to him so I went, actually do you know who you look like you like Razor Ruddock, and obviously, he went, What Razor fucking Ruddock? He's a fucking fat
3: bastard, and he's literally standing right behind you. And I'm pissing myself know, like He way. was that close, I could have fucking felt his breath on me. Then <laughs> yeah. I looked I around and thought, Fuck me, it's him, it's actually <laughs> <you're> <laughs> Ruddock's behind me. Well, that's
2: I went and I kind of went, Dave, look behind you, and you're like, Fuck. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no wonder Razor's turned down our requests to Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not surprised either. Stuff, where...
3: Fucking hell, more shit you've got. Me and it weren't even my fault. <laughs> Mate, you get me into more well, shit than I get you into. Uh, no comment. Uh, right, this is from at Adam's. Well, at Adam smi five two two eight eight two four five. He says, "Do you think there should be a singing section at the London Stadium to get the place rocking?"
2: Yeah, I think. I think it's always a bit like. I don't know, patronising is the right word, but the fact you almost need to be helped to make your fans sing chant for your club mm. almost makes me feel seem a bit Fulham-ish. And what I mean by that is that Fulham have, like, neutral fan zones and stupid initiatives like that, don't they? Because they yeah. don't have many of their their own fans uh, or neutral season tickets because they get, like, tourists that want to come and watch Premier League football. Um But, that said, at Upton Park, you knew that if you sat in the Bobby Moore lower or the centenary sort of corner next to the away fans, you knew if you wanted to go and make the atmosphere, that's where you went. Whereas at the London Stadium, sorry, I've drunk that lemonade way too quickly... Um, I think I would try anything to get the London Stadium having a, an atmosphere. So I think yeah. maybe I would do that. Yeah, I would say. And I'd almost have it as a standing section as well. That mm-hmm. I know probably legally you can't do that. But like where it was not seen as a bad thing if people stood. And yeah, maybe just try and get that bit behind the goal and uh, to be that area again. Because I think people, when we moved over from the stadium, those people that were in the Bobby Moore um Area, for example, stand probably spread themselves out across um the the stadium now, so they're they're dispersed, so they can't chant. But it's like away games, isn't it? Away atmosphere is always better. Yeah, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it tends to be your your hardcore fans that travel home and away Mm. um, across the country. But second of all. Despite that, you're all compacted into the same area and you know that you're in the minority, so you've got to be loud. And all those people in that same area as you are West Ham fans and they've come out for the day, so they're going to want to chant for their team. So, yeah, I think it seems a bit Mickey Mouse, but I think it's probably
3: something that we should try, yeah? I don't think it's a bad thing at all. It would stop a lot of people moaning or feeling unhappy that they're in the wrong sort of stand for them, you know, because there are... People that want to get up and chant and sing and have a bit of a shout and a whinge and it's difficult for them to do it when they're surrounded by families and young kids, for example. So, yeah, yeah I, I can't see it being a problem. I and mean, I just go back to we've got nothing to lose, have we really? Yeah. If we try it and it hasn't worked, well, then the atmosphere is probably going to be the same as what it was anyway. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and true. I agree with safe standing as well. I think that yeah. should be. Uh, I think I'll that be, should be, it'll be Amazing,
2: it'd be game changing, and um, if they brought something like that in.
3: Yeah, uh, this is from at Sammy underscore Dodgers. Are you happy with Ben Rama as the replacement for Grady?
2: Uh, I don't know. Pardon of me would rather just have kept Grady, I think, because he's a more traditional winger in the sense that he's got pace, gets up and down the wing, cuts it back. I thought he was working with Valais well in pre-season. Um, he's an academy graduate, which always gives him that kind of... Um, respect more so than someone that's been brought in you know that his heart was at West Ham and that he would have tried for West Ham mm. when you bring in a player that's got no attachment to West Ham then that's always questionable mm. uh, same age or is he it's a Ben Rama probably I can't be any older there or thereabouts yeah um, and obviously we know he can perform in the Premier Leagues. He's played in the Premier Leagues, whereas Ben Rama hasn't. That said, Ben Rama seems to be an exciting player. If you watch some of his clips of goals he's scored and tricks he's played, mm. I, I, I'm not against the signing. I think it'll be quite exciting. Um, But it does seem strange to have sold Grady, missed out on Eze because we didn't have money at the time, got rid of Anderson. Brought in Ben Rama, it's it's that classic thing that we always say. Really, what is the recruitment strategy here? Yeah, and it's very hard to know.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I didn't want to see Grady go purely because he wasn't an academy graduate. It's off the back of a good season in the championship, and I think if you've got a player that's willing to play for West Ham, like you say, you've got to give him a chance.
2: Yeah.
3: That said, that said, I do think that Ben Rama has every chance of being a much better player than Grady will be, yeah. in my honest opinion. Um, whilst you're saying that Grady's more of a traditional winger, you know, I think we also potentially have traditional wingers at West Ham already. I don't think we have a Ben Rama, who is a potential game-changer. What we don't know about him is whether he can perform at the top level every single week. Yeah. And also, and I don't want to sound like I'm making a judgement based on someone I don't even know, is his attitude right? Yeah. You know, does he have the skill of Dimitri Payet, but also the same sort of ego, arrogance, and mindset? Yeah, uh, that's a concern for me. Um, but one thing he's going to do, I think, is he's going to excite the fans if he if he can maintain his level of confidence and mentally, unlike Philippe Anderson, he's ready to perform and give hundred and ten percent week in week out, regardless of how well he does. You know, West Ham fans love someone that can excite them. You know, we've got a history of them. I mean, Christ, you know, Alan Devonshire, you know, Trevor Brookin, Joe Cole, Paolo DiCanio, Dimitri Paya. The, 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 the list is massive, and that's what the fans want to see. It's part of the West Ham way to get that level of excitement. Yeah. So I'm excited about the potential excitement yeah. Ben Ramas is going to bring. Um, would I ever be that excited over potentially keeping Grady... I don't think I would be. But that's not to say that Ben Rama might be a flop. Because yeah. maybe he will be and maybe Grady wouldn't be. It's, yeah. Time will tell, won't it?
2: Well, it's when I, like I said in the previous section, when I compared Ben Rama and King, part of me thinks King, whilst he wouldn't be as entertaining as Ben Rama, is more suited to us. Like mm. He's versatile, hardworking, proven that he can score in the premier league as i said and when i think of ben rama it seems to be a bit of a gamble but that said he is very skillful he's the sort of player that west ham fans love west ham fans lots of them support west ham because of the so-called west ham way the style of football Mm. um and ben rama fits into that uh so i'm just excited for a new player really i Mm. mean the fact that we're going out of the window at this point with our only signing, Suchek, yes, but he was all kind of technically still there. Uh, Shefau, um mm. and... Um, it looks
3: like a good signing, yeah, to be fair.
2: And then Dawson. It's not the most exciting of windows, is it? Uh, so I think it's... Um, yeah, it, 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 that signing, if we signed him, would make it much more... You don't know winter. if we
3: um, approached the idea of uh, a loan with an obligation to buy with King yeah, for the season so the actual transfer fee come um, out of next season's budget I
2: think we explored a few options I mean there's a very small chance that we could sign both of the players but um, because technically, as I said, King can be back up up front. Um, I would like to see... Uh, some people give me absolute shits for saying this, but I'd like to see Troy Deeney come to West Ham What's now. He's 32, so yes, his time's coming. If you could get him on loan, if you had him up front, he obviously Antonio's first choice, but Troy Deeney roughing up the opposition, holding the line, he scored goals last year, he's a good captain, he's a popular player him on loan I think would have been a great signing personally and I'll get shit for that because people won't think he's as good as he is but he's always scored goals in the Premier League and his physique is impressive I'd have liked to see him uh, if we're looking at Watford players wow, but
3: I, I look at him and think he's potentially a really good partner for the eating competition to be honest <laughs>
2: yeah, but he is but I think he uses that size really well to be fair in eating competitions <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: this one's from at Richie underscore D33 and why would we even purchase Ben Rama if we have eight wingers? Yeah. Um, and if this deal does get completed, would he even start? Surely not in this formation.
2: I don't think he will start. Not not initially. I don't
3: think he should initially either. No, I think he should be broken in.
2: I agree, and I think if he's gonna play, if, like I said earlier, for now's on or Masaraku, your most vulnerable players in terms of who he's going to gonna replace. But you're right. The whole argument was we sold Dean Garner because we had eight wingers. Um, we've loaned out Anderson, but we've brought in another winger. So now what? We have seven wingers. Yeah. So... What was the point of that statement, really? It, by saying we have eight wingers, it justified why we were selling and Garner. Yes, exactly. But then we've gone and bought another winger. Yeah, on the left side as well. Oh, where we have more than the right side. Just yeah, Fanelles can play there. Mezararka can play there. Anderson can play there. Snodgrass can play there. Yeah. Um, you know, and Garner could play there, and um, and now he said that we've gone and bought another one. So what was the point?
3: Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. It's difficult to argue with that one. This is from at Hammer underscore Brooker. Question for X. If and when the owners decide to sell up, where does that leave you? Will your contacts still be able to get the info they do currently? I think many of us would be lost without your inside info.
2: It puts me in a better position, I would say. How's that then? Well yes i do get information from them very very rarely very rarely in the past more so but rarely now um and yes there's probably people that talk to them that will then share stuff with me so in that respect it would make my info more challenging however every single person out there and believe me when i say this Pretty much all the top sort. There's only a few West Ham people out there whose information I completely trust. Very, very few. Like maybe two people out there that are who I listen to. But every single person out there, journalist, Sky, Jim White. Um, got that name right, haven't I? asked I said Jim Smith last week. Jim White <laughs> is right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, um, everyone gets their information from David Sullivan. Even the likes of like... I don't know, random West Ham fans get information out of David Sullivan. He's just unable to keep it to himself. So if you took away that, they would all be buggered because they'd have no one to get their information from. Mm. However, as I've stated many times before, yes, there's times when I've gone to him for information, but the majority of my news comes from Ex WHU employees, hence the name, comes from current WHU employees, um, and cu- and they include coaches, they include members of the media team, they include <clears throat> workers at Rush Green, they include uh, people involved in the match day preparation, they involve people that work at both training grounds, they involve players both current and ex. Even an ex-player, you know, has a contact to West Ham because someone like Mark Noble has been playing at West Ham for 16 years. You know, there's Mm. always that. And so most of my sources are not, uh, pretty much 95% of my news comes from not the chairman, whereas pretty much 95% of the news of everyone else does. So therefore, if you take that option out, yes, there might be one or two things I can't check, But I will still have an abundance of news, whereas others wouldn't. So ultimately, if you want to make it a competitive world of ITKs, that would put me Mm. in good stead,
3: I Mm. would say. This is from at Fernley Adam. Do you think Darren Randolph deserves a chance to become number one with Fabianski ageing and dropping off performance-wise in recent months?
2: I think he does deserve a chance, not right now, because whilst he hasn't had much to do, Fabianski has got two clean sheets in the last two league games, so you don't change the keeper when the keeper's done that. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think it'd be good to see Randolph get some consistent games. However if you decide that fabianski is not the number 1 i'm not sure i'd feel comfortable with randolph being our number 1 going forward i yeah. think i like him as a backup keeper i think he's a mm. decent keeper mm. i'm happy that we signed him back i would like the fact that he'll you know be there for another two, three years as backup. But I think if Fabianski goes as first choice, then you need to sign a top keeper to be first choice.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, 100%. This is a question for me that involves you, X, uh, from at WHU75. Have you ever nearly accidentally given away X's identity on or off the podcast? Um, Well, this is a really interesting question because how long have I known you now? Four years? Uh, Well, it was the... was it the last season at
2: Hudson Park? Yeah. It was Christmas... 2015 so it must be five years oh five years yeah, five so years. in
3: five years how many times have i called you by your actual name
2: i don't I, sometimes i question whether you know what my actual <laughs> name is <like. laughs> because i don't think i've ever ever heard you call it me and actually if you was to call me it yeah it'd feel it weird wouldn't it it'd feel weird saying it to you yeah, I from I'd my find perspective it a bit odd. the fact that your wife and your two yeah. kids call me it, that's right like when i turn up to the door just now um your youngest, um, bless her, so sweet. Um, he always goes, "Hi, X, Goes gets me a drink and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, it's uh, you know, <laughs> it's just I can't imagine. It. And um, obviously, your godfather um, to my youngest, and like the fact that you would call me ex to him is kind of <laughs> kind of strange, but uh, yeah, yeah but so it's true, it and, and
3: and the reason that I've done that. Is because when we started this podcast, I was so paranoid of doing exactly that, slipping up. And let's not forget, uh, the vast majority of those shows back in that day were live shows as well. So I just thought, well, do you know what? I'm going to literally train myself just to call you X and never call you by your actual name. Um, Funnily enough, there was one incident... Uh, which you know about? On um, I was in I was on holiday in Turkey, and uh, Hammer's chat, Geo, and Hammer's chat was doing his twenty-four hour oh, yeah. interviewing session with a variety of different people, and it must have been about two in the morning. I'd had some beers, and I said I'd come on. I mean, it was for charity, I think, and, and all that. And um, and yeah, be, and he asked me that question, and I literally gave the same answer. But what I said was, "Yeah, it's funny. I've always called him ex, yet yeah, my wife calls him." But at that point, I said your your name. Oh,
2: because your wife doesn't call me that, though. Yes, she does. She doesn't call me my first she name. She does. Your
3: wife doesn't. Your wife calls me eggs? No, she don't. does she? No. Always calls you by she your first name. I did last night. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I wasn't Please. even setting that joke up yeah. then. But, like, but
2: no, I'm pretty... No, she uh, doesn't. Okay. Honestly, maybe maybe
3: it's. I think the kids do, yeah, but um, kids definitely do. Yeah, kids but definitely... no, no, the wife doesn't. Oh. But yeah, so I, I I dropped that and panicked a little bit, and then I edited it, edited it out in the actual publishing. But uh, yeah, so I slipped up then. But otherwise, I haven't slipped up purely because I never ever use his first name. Uh, this is from at Romford Rich. Uh, good question. This would a good recruitment plan. Be to get Will Salthouse some better players on his books. <laughs> <laughs> Fairness, probably, yeah, probably would be, yeah.
2: Actually, you know, as as comical as that is, yeah, it probably is actually a good plan. You know, <laughs> if he could get some decent players on his books, then there's a chance they'll end yeah. up at West Ham. And it's funny because I was looking at what players he's got on his books, and the and it's on tra- on transfer market. It's a really good website. You can do that, and you can sort. The players, sorts the players, we'll sort the players, yeah. um, uh, by value. Um, and the most valued player, according to the transfer market website, which obviously is not factual. But um he uh, uh, is wan the Manchester United right back. Now, obviously, he's doing quite well for Manchester United, but he is his most highly valued player. And then, pardon me for would West Ham ever sign him? Obviously not because he's a right back for Man United and he's playing well there. But if in four or five years' time, if we've still got David Sullivan at the helm and uh, <laughs> and Will sort how of still has one bissaka as a player and if he's stopped being as highly rated as he is for Manchester United, that yeah. is a transfer that you could possibly predict five yeah. or six years down the line just because we're so reliant on his yeah,
3: players. yeah, it's very true. And there I
2: mean, are other sorry, there are other agents in the past that have been the same. You know, remember Ravel Morrison? Yeah. didn't want to. Um, what was pressure to be with Allardyce's agent, wasn't it? I think, That's yeah? right. Yeah, and that was Will Willie McKay, I think. Um, mm. And then there's been Barry Silkman and then there's been um, one other where we've had tried and trusted uh, agents, but it does appear that. He is certainly the flavour of the month at the moment. Yeah.
3: I mean, if you're a professional footballer and you'd like to play for West Ham, then fucking sign for Will Salthouse because that's the most likely route in there. Uh, Right, last question. This is from at C underscore P underscore 27. Who do you think our penalty taker is now that Noble is not starting in the first 11 and who do you think it should be?
2: Well, I'd say it's Antonio because against...
3: United, yeah, yeah, he took the penalty. Yeah.
2: that was because it was going to trigger his um that's right payment. But he he took the penalty and he scored it. I think if Alaire is starting, it'll be him because apparently he was a good penalty taker um, in his previous clubs. But I think yeah, I think if it's not, it's either of those two forwards if they're playing. Um, I'd imagine Yarmolenko takes a decent penalty. I'd imagine I don't have any evidence of that, but. Uh, Just because he's technically a very good player, but Mm. I would say it'd be either one of the forwards, whichever one's on the pitch at the time.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't know on a training pitch who is um, outstanding on penalties or even if that's been taken into consideration because it's... It's something that should be, isn't it? Because if, you know, it was a given for years and years that nobles was going to take him. But if he's not featuring as much anymore, surely that would be a conversation that you would have with the players if he was Moyes and you'd have some sessions on it.
2: Yeah, definitely. Maybe they do. Yeah, no, I think they do practice and... You know, I think we've probably got a few that could be content We're going to miss but, him as a penalty taker, aren't well, we? Well, definitely. I mean, if you think, for me, I can think of three great penalty takers for West Ham. Mm. And you go Ray Stewart, Julian Dix, and Mark Noble. That's right. And, like, you know, you could maybe say that Frank Lampard um, Jr. was a good penalty taker. I seem to remember Paolo missing a couple when he took them. Yeah. Um, and I can't really think of anyone else. I guess because Mark Noble's been taking them since like 2006 or whatever it was he made his debut. Yeah. But I can't really think of any other penalty so takers. So put
3: put them in order, best to worst. Oh, that's
2: tough, isn't it? It's really tough. I think I know. I think I'd like to know what their penalty...
1: conversion rate conversion rate is. Rate is yeah. yeah. And that would, I think they're all, all three of them are higher.
2: And that would probably be what does it for me, whoever's got the highest yeah. conversion rate, because I think it's hard to take it away. Obviously, Nobles are more placed, whereas Julian was more yeah. power. Can't really say what race Stewart's were, because he's slightly before my time. Mm. Um, but... <clears throat> Julian's penalties; were more exciting mm. because he took that massive run up and then he just thumped. Them there was up. just no stopping him. Yeah, was like there? that one against Manchester United yeah. and oh. the one against Spurs as well. Beautiful. So, I, I'm going to go Julian, and then I don't know enough about Ray Stewart to really know. But I'm going to go him, and then I'm going to go Noble. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. That's, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah,
3: um, same issue with Stewart, but then at the same time um grew up on the video seen enough of his penalties to know that he could take some you know yeah um no he was brilliant penalty. all three of them are brilliant penalty takers but i think we agree on the order there yeah. uh, you mentioned tottenham a minute ago we've got them yeah. on sunday um how are we going to get on
2: mate i can see anything with this game i just i literally because i th- obviously knew you were going to ask me that so i was thinking about it on the way here and i I can see every scenario, and I know that's so sitting on the fence, but Tottenham are on form, we're on form, Uh, we tend to do all right against Tottenham away. Mm. Um, Obviously, Bale makes his debut for them, which is not ideal for us. Um,
3: (laughs) And it's typical for a player like that to make his debut uh, against us. And you know what's going to happen and all, don't you?
2: Exactly. Do you remember the last goal he scored for... um, Tottenham against West
3: Ham. Um, I don't. It was. It wasn't the one at Upton Park. We put it in the top corner from about three hundred yards. Was yeah, it? Yeah, last minute as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby Moore. I, yeah, no, I know exactly that. what game that was. Yeah, there was a tribute. Fucking sickening. Yeah, sickening.
2: exactly. Um, mm. And he's a very good player. Mm. Let's not lie. I mean, I know he's been off the. Out of favour at Man City, but let's not lie—he is he is an incredible player. Jealous yeah. of Tottenham fans, really, that they get to sign someone like that and watch him every week. Um,
3: I can't say I ever be jealous of Tottenham fans. Fucking hell,
2: no. All jealous of having him, I think. Um, I'm gonna go one all.
3: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go four 0 win.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, no, if if I'm being honest, um, I would take a score draw there all day yeah. long. And uh, would you say one all?
2: Yeah.
3: Um. All right. Just to be different, I'll say I'll say a two all. But I'm I'm trying to be optimistic after some really good performances. Yeah. Really good performances, and we can't overlook that either no. You know. Um. I, I think the international breaks come at a terrible time for us. Yes. But you know, hopefully there's a good feeling at the club and that momentum will be carried through um, we get a game plan right and we'll be on top of our game like we have been maybe even nick a win who knows um, yeah. but I'm going to go for a score draw and do you know what yeah I, I probably would have said one all, but I'll go 2 all.
2: okay and do you know what's just really crushing is that we can't be at it I'd love to be going to that game yeah plan. like as we were saying off air I don't necessarily miss the home games that mm. much but it's a game like that the away game where I'd be buzzing to be going to that game on, yeah. on Sunday and just oh yeah that's I what that make, that's when I really really miss football now and when's it gonna come back you know who who knows like but there's games like that that you do yeah of course you do really really miss
3: yeah a hundred percent well Unless you fucking lose, then you've got to come yeah. out in the middle of North London with all them cunts around you. But <laughs> yeah. uh, otherwise, if you can get a win, it's euphoric, isn't it? So just nothing think you'll like be it. Fighting
2: them Saturday night or Sunday night asleep. <laughs> <at> <laughs> have to ask me Monday morning. I'll yeah, let you know. Exactly. Let me know which day it was. <laughs> and uh, let, let let your missus sleep in the other. I'll let you know if I got arrested. Them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. That is the end of the show. Uh, as always, we hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for giving us your questions. And let's hope we can turn that lot over on Sunday. Look after yourselves, be lucky, and until
0: next week, come on you irons. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbours are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like...
1: Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy.
0: Or it may be even subtler, like...
1: Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money.
4: Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors.
0: It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Delivery.